coming to you from all over South Texas. We've got folks up in San Antonio. We've got folks all the way down less than three blocks from the Gulf of Mexico. That's me. It's the Smoking Guns Podcast. Uh, I'm getting more and more proud of being on the coast as it gets closer and closer to summer. It's fun to be on the coast. We are the Smoking Guns Podcast. We are a podcast that deals with football in San Antonio, professional football. That's all inclusive. We cover the XFL, the San Antonio Brahmas. They're in their offseason right now, so we won't be doing a ton of XFL Brahmas talk, but we are... Uh, we are fans of the Brahmas before they were the Brahmas. We're, we're fans of the Brahmas back when they were the Commanders. We're fans. Oh, way back. Way back. Way back. Way back. Way, uh, way we, back. We also covered the San Antonio Gunslingers of the National Arena Re- League, the six and one San Antonio Gunslingers, top of the league. Yeah, baby. And showing you why yesterday they win 44-33 over the Orlando Predators in the Freeman Coliseum yesterday afternoon. If you weren't there, and judging by attendance, a lot of you weren't, yeah. where have you been? Come Let's on, get man. in the building, folks. Come on. Support your San Antonio Gunslingers. Support San Antonio pro, pro football, whether that's the Gunslingers, the Brahmas, um, anything else that might come along. It's the only way we're going to see more of it is if we support this, and I am disappointed, San Antonio. Me um, too. It's not just the fact that it's professional football. It's that it's a very, very top-notch production yeah. level on this whole thing. You go, you see a live game, you will know what we're talking about. A lot of time and effort goes into this thing. And if we're not getting the butts in the seats, it's it's not going to last long, guys. And it's not going to be anybody's fault but, but ours for not showing up. We got to show up and support. Get there. Bring your friend. Bring your enemy. Bring your coworker. Bring your mama. Whatever it takes. Get them to the Freeman Coliseum in two weeks. January. Oh, I'm sorry. January. June seventeenth is the next game coming up against the West Texas Warbirds. We'll talk a little bit about that this week, but we'll really talk about that next week. Mo Ferrante checking in. I think she's checking in from a couple of different spots, to be honest, because she says <laughs> on Facebook, that was an awesome game. And then a Colts fan Mo on YouTube says that was an awesome game. I think that's Mo. I think both of those are Mo. <laughs> Which well, is we fine. No, Mo is a Colts fan. So, yes, I have Which a is fine. Uh, so the San Antonio Gunslingers, yes, uh, 44-33 over the Orlando Predators to move to 6-1. and one. Uh, Kind of a get-right game in a lot of ways. They struggled mightily against Jacksonville, but frankly, they had struggled the two weeks before that, two games before that. But they had always come out on top with the win. They did not yeah. do that against Jacksonville. This was a much better showing than any of the last three games, I felt like. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. If we said they've, they've been pulling out games despite the poor, uh, not poor, but not their best performance. We know what we're cap- what they're capable of. And Which is what championship teams do, by the way. They play a bad game and still win. I'm not taking anything away from them. No. Sometimes you play a bad game and you still have to find a way to win. They've done that. Mm-hmm. 
They did not do that against Jacksonville, but Jacksonville's not a team you could have a bad game against. They're going to beat you. They are a really good football team. Yeah, yeah. Good teams you got to show up for, especially good teams <clears throat> that are, you know, quote, unquote, gunning for you. You know, you have a big old target on your back. You, you got to come with your your best game. And and talking to coach and talking to the players, they knew. They knew what happened. They mm-hmm. recognized the situation, and they promised a better showing this time around, and they delivered. I, I talked to Coach Shaw before the game, and he said, we're going to get that W today. He he promised the W, and I said, I believe you, Coach. I, 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 I don't have any doubt. And after the game, I went up, and I said, you delivered on your promise. And he says, I told you I would. And I said, yep. Coach Shaw is always – like, he's passionate. He is – Hyped up all the time. He kind of runs with a high motor. But I have never seen the guy more excited than when they converted on that onside kick, that surprise onside kick that got yeah. everybody. Yeah. Everybody watching the game, no matter where they were, was surprised by that onside kick. And boy, he was stoked. Uh, he was looking over at us and pointing like he was happy. He was very happy. <clears throat> yeah, he was. Yeah, I, 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 I said we're we're right there at the end zone, and that was the end zone that they were kicking from. So he was within shouts, uh, you know, reach, uh, range, and uh, I yelled out to him. I said, Coach Shaw, and I, I gave him the thumbs up, and he turned and he looked at us as a group, and he pointed at us, and and you know he was definitely excited. Um, didn't work out that possession the way they hoped they no. would. That was a turnover on down, so we kind of gave it right back, but. Still, it was a great call at a great time. They just couldn't convert. James Palmer on Facebook. Drew even seemed like he was back to his own self. Jay Washington on yes. uh, YouTube says, don't forget about the deuce and the onside yeah. kick. Special teams were very special. Drew felt good. You could tell he was perfect from uh, extra point land. He got that onside kick. He got the deuce. And I talked to him after the game. He is so excited because they get to practice for the next two weeks in the Freeman, oh, and awesome. so he gets to uh, he gets to fine tune that in. If you'll remember correctly, last year at the end of the year, Drew was excellent. Yeah, that was when they also got to practice in the Freeman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets an opportunity to just kind of tune things in a little crisper, a little clearer over the next few weeks as they practice inside the Freeman. He is very excited. Um, yeah, about that. He it likened like it to. Team, to oh, sorry, go, go ahead, like RC. He really gelled together this this game. They were like in sync. I felt that way, at least from my position. Yeah, definitely a lot more in sync. You could tell that they were a lot more prepared for this game. Maybe not more prepared, but just focused. Like they 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 came out with a determination to make a statement. They knew. It, I mean, you. You're five and one, and you hate calling a game a must win, but that was a must win game. They had to come in here and they had to make a statement to the rest of the league and and to themselves that the five and zero oh wasn't um, a mistake. It wasn't right. just a, oh, you won all these games, but you only won them by one point or two points, you know, differential, and they were just you know a, a, a result of of the circumstance. Uh, rather than the talent and and the ability of the team, uh, so this was a, a must game. They they had they had something to prove. They came out like they did. 
Uh, I was going to say Drew kind of likened the practice situation to being able to now practice in uh, Freeman yes. Coliseum to like uh, golf, where you go right. to the golf range, you're hitting the ball rather than actually being on the course. Right. Um, he said it's 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 a lot like that, and it I makes think, a lot of sense. I think what he actually said is it's the it's the difference between play, playing a golf simulator, simulator at home, yes, you're right? Like with the big screen, you know, you used to go into like I don't know Oshman's, and they used to have these golf simulators. He said it's like playing on a golf simulator and then going out and actually hitting a ball on the range. It's that kind of difference for him. Um, Plus, it was I, Don Rackman's birthday, so they had to get a win. Right. <laughs> I mean, they had to, right? I mean, when the, when it's the boss's happy. birthday, you yeah, got to give him a yeah. You got to give him a gift, and that gift is going to be a win over that Orlando. I think a, a lot of people around the NAL may look at this and go, "Ah, San Antonio is supposed to be good. Orlando is not traditionally. Obviously, this is the way this game should have gone." Know this: that Orlando team is better than you think they are. The talent around that team is better than than you think they are. This was not a case of a decent San Antonio team beating up on a poor team. Orlando's not a poor team. They're 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 a well put together team that for some reason has a losing culture around them. And so you just kind of think, well, they're a losing team. They're not. They've got really good talent. They've got they've got the MVP last year. They've got the best quarterback in the league last year. Both of those guys are on that team. Um, they've got the talent on that team. And and they beat Jacksonville. Uh, Johnny Salazar brings up a great point. That Orlando team, not even this Orlando team, they've added pieces since they beat Jacksonville earlier in the season. Now, a Sharks fan would say, well, so has Jacksonville. That's the way this league works right now. Everybody seems to add pieces all season long. Plus they have Prince, an old commander. Yeah, Darius Prince, right. old commander. I mean, they've got some offensive firepower <clears throat> there. And they held them. I don't care which team it is in the league. When you hold a team to 27 points in arena football, mm -hmm. you're doing something right. Right, right. Yeah, it was uh it was a great game. Uh it was it was exactly what they needed. They had to get right in this game. They had to dominate this game and I feel like they did. Final scores 44-33. Uh Leo just kind of alluded to the fact that it's really 44-27. They scored 6 points in the very last play of the game that meant nothing to anybody. Mm -hmm. They scored them. They're on the board and they count. I'm not taking that away from Orlando at all, but nobody cared if they scored that final touchdown. Like, nobody did. It didn't the NAL matter. doesn't seem to care because on their website, the score is 44 to 27. Oh, really? <laughs> on, the, on the official NAL website. So they don't You're right, it is. I'm looking at it right now. You're right, it is. 44-33 uh, was the final score, at least that's what I understand it as. Uh, they scored that final touchdown, no extra point. No deuce opportunity. Um, so this is uh, this is exactly what they need. Now they get a bye week. They get to yeah. rest up a little bit, get right a little bit, practice there in the Freeman, and then West Texas comes to town. Another team that I think a lot of people will look at and go, well, San Antonio should beat West Texas. You're right. They should. But West Texas is not a pushover team either. No. They 
really kind of took it to Jacksonville. Jacksonville had all they could handle. Jacksonville won the game and won it handily and all of that. But West Texas was not going to hand that game over lightly. And and they're not going to do that when they come in to San Antonio either. I'm Mitch Kidd is turning out to be a great quarterback in West Texas. He's played two games and they've looked great. They've looked great both times he's played. Yeah, they, they definitely, as James Palmer said, they're playing better every week. They've definitely mm-hmm. seemed to show a week-by-week improvement. I don't think they're a team that anybody mm-hmm. really counts out or wants to play uh, on their, you know, any given week. Um, they're tough. They're, they're a good team. I've said all year long that West Texas' trajectory looks a lot like San Antonio's trajectory last year. And if that's the case... As we get into this back half of the season, they are a dangerous team. Yep. Um, Because they will become that team that you just don't want to play. You just don't want to see on your schedule. Um, And they're coming into the Freeman on the 17th for the second half of the battle for Texas. There's a lot of debate right now. Not a lot, but there is debate right now about what we're going to call this series I'm kind of settling on Battle for Texas until I'm told by the higher-ups that I have to call it something else. I heard Wild Wild Wet. Yeah, the Wild Wild West something or other. Yes, that's out there too. So on the Jumbotron, they actually had a announcement for the game, and I think they had the billing up there. I just don't remember what it was, but it seemed like it seemed like they had already billed it something. I believe they are billing it as the Wild West Shootout. Okay. That sounds like it might be right. Which I don't hate. I like it. But uh, I'm just, I kind of I kind of caught on to Battle for Texas early on, and I'm kind of riding that until the bosses tell me something different. And speaking of, he, <laughs> he checks in right now and says, look at your game program. It's the Wild <laughs> West Showdown. Uh, Wild West Shootout, I believe, is what it was. I think I was Showdown or Shootout? Let me know, James. Um, the boss is letting us know what we call the game. That's, that's. That's the way it works. Hey, he's the boss, so he's in charge, man. Yep. He's you know We're I'm not going to upset argue. that guy. Um, <laughs> yep. I will say one thing about this game, though. This is going to be a good test for the gunslingers because this game is going to be very similar to the situation against Jacksonville, where they're going to have a big old target on their back mm-hmm. because of this showdown for Texas. You don't think the the Warbirds want to make a statement. Also, they have the added incentive that they took that tough loss at home to the Gunslingers just a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a very narrow victory for the Gunslingers. It was a close yeah. game. Yeah, it was closer um, than it should have been. Yeah, it was. And so they, they have that much more incentive. Um, they're coming into this game very hungry for a win. Now, the last time a team came in really, really hungry for a win, uh, the Gunslingers didn't do so well. So let's see if they've learned something for that game uh, because it's really a, the ta- same type of scenario for this game. Well, and somebody said it earlier, and I'm looking for it right now. Um, somebody, I want to say it was James Palmer. It was James Palmer. He said, look, as bad as it is, I think they needed that loss last week to Jacksonville. I think that's right. Um, I've talked about this before, probably not on this show. Maybe it was in the commander's. I don't know. I've talked about this is a big thing that I kind of harp on and beat on. Um, Teams do not need to be undefeated 
late in the year. Like, you don't need to carry that. You need to lose a game. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the best things that can happen to a college basketball team is for them to lose a game late, go 30-whatever games with wins, and then right before they get into their own conference tournament or in their conference tournament, lose a game. Get knocked out of your conference tournament. That way, when you get into the 64, when you get into the NCAA tournament, you realize you're not unbeatable. You can be beaten. Yep. And it just changes mentalities. I've watched teams in college basketball turn that loss into what springboards them into a championship run because they get that loss. I've also seen teams not get that loss in the conference championship or in a conference tournament or later uh, in the season and they think they're unbeatable and they walk in and they lose to the number 12 seed. The first game. You know, in the first <laughs> game. It happens. It's true. Yeah. Kadir Chisholm actually said as much after the game. Lolisa and I were talking to him, and she, she said to him, she said, that's more like it. And he said, yes, ma'am. He's all, you know, last week was probably something that we needed. It wasn't something that we wanted. <clears throat> no. But it was, it was uh, definitely maybe something that we needed to kind of get that out of our system. Um, and, I, and I said, learn from it. And he said, oh, yes, sir. Definitely learn from that and move forward. And she goes, but no more, right? And he goes, oh, no, ma'am, no more. That, that's that's it. That's, <laughs> that's enough of that. Lock, that's it. Well, because you get complacent. Like, everybody does this. You get complacent. When you start doing things and you're successful every time you do it. For instance, I am teaching a teenage daughter right now to drive. I drive every day successfully. So I don't have to think about how I drive. But my daughter is not successful at it right now. She... Uh, you know, she hadn't hit anything yet, but she's not sure of herself behind the wheel. So she has to concentrate on everything she's doing. Right. Yep. And yep. we have to have conversations like, hey, slow down before you make a turn, not in the middle of a turn. I don't think about that anymore because I've been driving successfully for 30 years. Um, she has to think about those things. And now I have to think about how to tell her to do these things that I just do naturally. You become complacent when you do things successfully mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And that includes playing a football game. You play football games and you win no matter what you do. There comes a time when you're like, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to be successful. And you you get into this rut. Now you can say, hey, good coaches will stop that or good players will get themselves out of that and not think that way. It's just human nature. You do things successfully for so many times in a row and you go, oh, I got this. I know how this works. So maybe that that uh, we called it last week a wake-up call. Maybe that was a great wake-up call. A kick in the butt. Yeah. Yes, Michael Wayne Davis, we have full coverage. <laughs> full coverage. <laughs> yes, Michael Wayne Davis, we have full coverage. <laughs> oh. But uh, they looked great against Orlando. Arvell Nelson did not throw a pick. That is important because Arvell Nelson usually throws right. a pick in there somewhere. There was a San Antonio Gunslingers pick. Uh, Robert Kent Jr. came in late in the game, fourth quarter, in just the perfect situation. You've got a guy that has uh, not played football in... Months? What? Nine months? Yeah. Yeah. You've got the lead, you've got things set, but you need this guy to knock the rust off a little bit and be ready in case you need him. What a great situation for Robert Kent Jr. to come in. 
Like you've got the game, the game is in hand, but you get a chance for Robert to get out there and knock the rust off a little and be ready. All week long, as he has announced that he's coming back to the Gunslingers, folks have been hitting him up on social media, and I have been quietly paying attention. I don't think I've said anything on any of his posts, but every time he mentions this is an opportunity to get a ring, uh, he is coming back. He made the decision to come back because he sees championship potential here. Um, for a guy that has been playing professional football for nearly 20 years, over 20 years, 20 years? 21 years, I think, if I did the count right. Um, That means something for him to look at it and say, I see championship potential here. I think a lot of people do, actually. Not just him. No, I I think that's true. But I'm just saying for a guy that's been around the sport that long, to see the championship potential and say, I'm going to throw myself in this for the next three or four months because I see potential here. um, That's big. That's big. I know a lot of you are checking in and going, hey, I thought they were going to have the commissioner on. We are, but we wanted to cover some things about the game first. He's going to be checking in with us here in a little while. We've got lots of questions for him, um, lots of information we want to gather from him. And uh, if you have questions, real, actual questions, then go ahead and uh, shoot those to us. And when the commissioner gets on, if we have time, we'll certainly uh, ask him some of your questions as well. I just got a text message from the GM, James Steubing. He says, Wild West Showdown. Wild West Showdown. We're going with Wild West Showdown. Yes, sir. That's what it is. (laughs) It is the Wild West Showdown. San Antonio Gunslingers, West Texas Warbirds, the 17th. That's a Saturday night. Maybe that will help. With the crowd a little bit. Maybe the crowd will get in there on a Saturday evening a little better than they do on a Sunday afternoon. Well, I got my hat for the showdown, right? I saw here. it. Look, Look at, at this that. hat. Look this at that beauty. Awesome. Look at that beauty. Thank you, Carrie White, for letting us know that they have these at Walmart. And I got one for Loli, Leo, so if you can tell her. Oh, very nice. I will let her know. So we're ready for that showdown. Jay Washington on YouTube says, is the commission ready for the championship in San Antonio? We'll ask him, but ready or not, ready or not, here it comes. That's right. And talking about attendance, last week I almost went on every morning to tell people, to encourage Mm -hmm. people to wear their shirt. I wore my shirt out there. I don't know what else we could do, people. I mean, we I told them to tag people. And they did, which I appreciate. And I will say, I started up the Gunsling Her page. I saw that. And 46 people joined. So we got to get busy and start revving that up, too. Alex McSwain checking in on Facebook saying, hello. Hello, Alex. Thank you so much for allowing us to use your picture (laughs) with the commissioner uh, for our promo material. I texted him this morning and said, hey, can I use that picture? Because you look for... Decent, larger pictures of Chris Siegfried, they do not exist. And I was like, well, here's one with Alex. And Alex is in San Antonio stuff when the commissioner was here last week. Maybe I can use that. So I texted Alex and I said, hey, would would you let me use that? And uh, he sure did. So thank you so much, Alex. And he says, you're welcome. We appreciate you, sir. Once Uh, he comes on the show, we'll have to take like a screenshot of his image or something so we can have that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right. And we actually got some good pictures of all of us together at the game. 
Michael Lagoy checking in. Hey, from Albany, New York, home of the circus. Yeah, man, we are with <laughs> yeah. you. We are, we are with you. And I know that you are checking in specifically to hear from the commissioner about some things going on in Albany. Um, we'll ask what we can ask. Um, but I, like I mentioned earlier today on Facebook, I think, I think it's careful. I, I think we have to note that no commissioner in sports has the ability to dismiss an owner from the league. Like that just doesn't, that's not within their scope of power. If that were true, if an, if a commissioner could get rid of an owner, David Stern would have gotten rid of Mark Cuban like that. Um, Cause he never <laughs> liked that guy and he would have gotten rid of that dude. But um, I know that over in Albany, gosh, I don't even know what to believe anymore. I had a rumor yesterday that was crazy um, that, that there may not even be an Albany team this week because of some stuff going on. I have not heard any confirmation of that, so I'm not taking it any further than that. But that is, uh, that is something that I'm hearing. It's definitely a circus over there. Cringeworthy stuff. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And I hate the mark that's leaving on the NAL, you know, because it all comes back in a circle. And people are looking at what the other teams are doing or they're not doing, and it affects all of us, unfortunately. It is. It does. It affects everybody. It affects the league. Um, I have not been quiet about, uh, since he joined the league, about Antonio Brown uh, and and – how I think that he is detrimental to the league, but it's important to note that he's an owner in this league and that gives him a certain amount of power um, that even the commissioner, you know, just doesn't have a lot he could do. Now, every other owner in the league could step forward and say, do X, Y, and Z or pack your bags and we're going to kick you out. Like that is a possibility, but I will tell you right now, they're not going to do that mid season. They're gonna no. they're gonna do everything they can to try to muddle through the season and do what they can do, and then in the off season, address that. Um, but I don't even think we're there to that yet. Um, it just is what it is, and it's sad. It's rough. Um, the empire is is not near what they were at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I think that's what hurts the most is that it's the Albany Empire. I mean, this is a very successful storied organization and it's just been dismantled so quickly it's it's a a shadow of what it what it was not just the you know even at the beginning of the season so uh i we really feel for all you uh, empire fans but yep. i'll say i'll be the first one to welcome any and all of the albany fans if something does happen to your team Come on board, jump on the on the bandwagon, and we will accept you and love you <laughs> as our family here with the Gunslinger. So there. There you go. You got the invite. Recruiting more Gunslinger posse. That's always. right. Absolutely. Yeah, we need them in the Freeman Coliseum, that's for sure. We need somebody in there. I don't know who's listening, but somebody needs to listen. You guys are really missing out on a good product. Good family fun. Um, I know this past game, uh, the Smoking Guns po podcast sponsored flowers for the cheerleaders, and they literally were overwhelmed. They loved it. Just knowing that you're being appreciated really means a lot, and they really do a lot and very dedicated. And so I just wanted um, us to show them that we do love them and we do care about them. And it's more than just the players, and it's more than just the coaches. It's the super fans. It's Mike. It's Rick. 
it's um, the truck uh, team that brought the big old horn that I thought I was, it was a train at first, you know, it's all of them, <laughs> you know, the parents of the players, their families, their kids, all of us, we need to really help recruit more people so we can increase the attendance because everyone loves the crowd cheering their name, cheering their number. And we just really need to do that more. <laughs> Robert Reagan says, even the Warbirds, even the Warbirds, even Warbird fans can join the wagon except Top Gunner. Hey, if Top Gunner wants to, I like him. If Top Gunner wants to defect, we would absolutely um, take that on. We would be perfectly happy and to we have would barbecue Top him. <laughs> and we would yeah. barbecue. No, we, we would saying. welcome him into the well, fan uh, base. Yes, We're we not would gonna... welcome him, but I mean, come on, chicken and barbecue that goes together. I think he's a duck, isn't he? I don't know what he is. I think he's actually supposed to be an eagle, but I keep calling him a duck. He doesn't seem to like that, and so I'm going to continue to <laughs> continue do that. to call him a duck. Then, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you're going to get when when you say you don't like something in your I told rivalry. Him, we kind of got into it on Twitter a couple weeks ago as we were headed to West Texas, and I said something about you're the third funniest duck I know, and then I. <laughs> I shared a picture of Donald and Daffy doing the piano thing from uh, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And he immediately came back and said, yeah, well, you're the fourth funniest stooge. And I'm like, that's not even good, dude. That's not even, <laughs> that's not even funny. Um, so he has to work out his one-liners. He does. Great guy. Great. Uh, whoever's running that account is a lot of fun. And Top Gunner is a great kind of, kind of, thing i i hope that we have that ability soon here in san antonio i see other um nal franchises getting started with some mascots you've got a new one that just debuted this week he was called savage uh over in carolina the cobras uh he's interesting looking um i'd be curious to to know what people think of savage speaking of people speaking of people that might have an opinion on savage um Joining us here in just a second, we've got the commissioner of the NAL, Chris Siegfried, uh, jumping in with us. I see him settling in his office. I don't want to like turn on the camera while he's still getting settled, um, but I'm going to let him get set and settled, and then we're going to bring in Chris Siegfried. He is the commissioner of the National Arena League, and he's joining us on the Smoking Guns podcast. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey. Hello. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing, doing well. We're doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Busy day, but all good. Yeah, so thank you so much for coming on, spending some time with us. I want to set kind of a couple of baseline things because I know that there's lots of conversations that folks want to have around the league. Um, give us an idea of two things really quickly. Uh, as the commissioner, how did you how did you wind up as the commissioner of the National Arena League? What's the elevator story of how you wound up in this position? So... The first year I was director of football operations uh, mm -hmm. when the league first started. Uh, John Greger was our initial commissioner, and that was 2017. And he stepped down after the season, and the owners pretty much asked me. They figured I was one of the few non-biased people working with the league, so uh, so I accepted, and that's that's really all there is to it. So I wish it was something more creative. <laughs> It's okay. So how would you characterize your position as the commissioner of the National Arena League? What is your job? If you had to give your job description in a couple of sentences, what do you do? Well, I mean, it's 
multifaceted because I still have the uh, football operations work to do as well. But the commissioner side of it is a little bit more front facing, you know, making sure that I represent the league, you know, to the best of my ability, which I try to do, uh, continue to explore expansion opportunities. And as we grow, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to get some league wide sponsors. Uh, matter of fact, just <clears throat> earlier today, you know, I was discussing with a potential uh, opportunity to get us on, uh, on a really, uh, a really big venue for our championship game so that's nice. something that i'm trying to get done it's going to be an uphill battle because there's cost involved sure but it'd certainly be nice to get to the let's just say eight figures of viewership uh for our championship game so that's that's the goal uh and that's stuff that's been been working behind the scenes for months uh, but we're not there yet so and since that you know, championship game is going to be here in San Antonio, you can start uh, figuring. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, there's, uh, obviously, they're in the driver's seat as long as uh, San Antonio sure. continues their winning ways. You know, they control their own destiny as far as being able to host a championship game for sure. Last sort of baseline question before we get uh, really deep into things. Tell us what the staff you have around you at the National Arena League offices is. Because I think people think that you have – eight or 10 people that are working with you to make this all happen. Tell us about your staff. I don't there's, see anybody there. My, <laughs> there. Hey, Max. There he is. Oh, I love Max. Hey, Max. Max just got a fresh haircut. You uh, really do. A lot of this is a one-man show, don't you? So, I mean, yes. I mean, the, so the league, we don't actually have a physical league office, although mm -hmm. we're incorporated out of uh, Georgia. Uh, okay. I think, but, uh, we have, uh, three executives that are all team owners. We have Rob storm. Who's, uh, the majority owner in, uh, Carolina and one of the owners in Jacksonville, uh, Steve Kern, who's the managing partner and part owner of Jacksonville and Zach bug, a newly appointed owner. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, executive, he's the, uh, the owner in uh, West Texas. So the way the league works pretty much is the, the executives are pretty much at the top. I answer to those guys, and then the owners technically answer to me. The, I also find the teams when <laughs> when things go wrong, and so the, the guys that I work for, I also have to find. Uh, we do have a media relations guy, uh, Steve Chitola, who's been doing a great job. He's actually doing a little bit more part-time because he recently accepted a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, yeah. We do have a director of broadcasting, George Birnbaum, and he just simply uh, helps assist teams on game days. Uh, we do have a league supervisor of officials, Joe Clarkson, mm -hmm. uh, who who organizes all the officials. So, but as far as the actual day-to-day -day operations of the league, you're looking at it, you know. Uh, and I'm happy to do it because I just I believe in the vision of this league and the way this game is played, especially bringing back the rebound nets, which is massive. I've yeah. been fighting for it since 20, uh, 2017. And uh, we're finally playing the game the way it was created by Jim Foster back in the uh, mid-'80s on a, on a manila folder at, a I think, at an indoor soccer or hockey or some kind of game up, up in Iowa somewhere or Chicago. But uh, that's how the game was originally invented, and, and it's morphed over the first early years in the late-'80s, early-'90s, and all the rules kind of came into play to protect the players. Now, we took it a little bit further in recent years when we didn't have the nets by adding the deuce 
and we took it even another step further by adding the uh, the one point if you kick it out of bounds. But other than that, the game is we're playing it in basically its its intended form. So, uh, and now scores are up. Yeah, most of the scores are up, and excitement is up. I mean, it's, especially if you're a fan of uh, some. Kelly Rashad kid, number five out of San Antonio. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, arguably the most dynamic player in the game right now. He's just uh, – he reminds me of a, a player that played for me up in Pittsburgh that we used to call the joystick, uh, Mike Washington, a kid out of uh, Aliquippa High School and went to University of Hawaii. Very, very similar. Quick, strong, tough, fast, you know uh, – I don't want to put it out there like this, thinking if he was six foot tall, he'd be in the NFL. But well, but honestly, got... based on his size, like he will probably never reach some of those higher tier levels. <sighs> Even the XFL, USFL are going to kind of balk at that. The NAL gives so, him an opportunity to to shine. Yes and no. Now, so and, and let me explain. Yes, we give a player like that the opportunity to to showcase his skills. But I actually think he's going to get some opportunities. I certainly hope he does because his talent is undeniable. Mm-hmm. And I say that out of experience. I had a defensive back uh, that, that I recruited out of Eastern Washington by the name of Isaiah Trufant, who was maybe five, six, five, seven, but he was special. Uh, and uh, when, I was coaching, when I was coaching him, I was an offensive coach, but I was still the head coach. Uh, I had, a, I had a buddy that was a player personnel director for the New York Jets that I called and said, you've got to take a look at this kid. And his first question was, how big is he? I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, I don't really know. <laughs> so I said, just measure him with shoes on and he'll be fine. And he ended up playing four or five years. <laughs> well, you, you know, now he, he, had a, he had a couple of brothers, a younger brother and an older brother that were both a little bit bigger, that, that were both at some point in time, all pros in the NFL. So, uh, but I look at a Cali Rashad and I see nothing but talent there. And it's just a matter of, is he going to fit in every single NFL offense or, or CFL offense? No, but it only takes one or two coaches to kind of believe in you to, to get sure. that chance, even when you're slightly undersized, sure. but he is, yep. he's, he's special. He really is. That he is. No doubt. You mentioned the talent, but uh, even beyond the talent, there's uh, the heart and, and just the, the the motor that he's got in him, that undeniable um, – that that drive that he has whenever he's – I mean, I mentioned to Phillip this last game. I mean, how many times has he gotten to the one-yard line? And then later on in that game, again, here he comes getting to that one-yard line, and he just reaches every single time – gives everything, contorts his body to try and break that goal line just yeah, every time he can get there. It's amazing. He's, he's fun to watch, you know, and, and you know, both teams – I was at the San, the Jacksonville-San Antonio game, and both teams were loaded up with talent. And and not to, you know, get away from uh, Cali Rashad, but we, we're our league's loaded with great talent. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we have, in my opinion, easily the most talented in, in any professional indoor league out there, and I'll take our teams against any other league out there. There's great talent in the other leagues that I'm familiar with. I'm not taking away from that. I just think that sure. we have more of the great talent. And we definitely have the best quarterbacks in the business. And San Antonio obviously has two great quarterbacks now. And, yeah. you know, uh, old sure man do. Robert Kent. So uh, I can only <laughs> say that because I've known him for a long time. I coached against him <laughs> when he was playing back in the day. And, 
you know, I always, always kind of wanted to coach that, that young man, that old man. <laughs> but so he's great, man. I'm, I'm happy that he came back to, to, to kind of help out with San Antonio. And, yeah. you know, and both, both of the quarterbacks there in San Antonio are just, they're just great human beings, first and foremost. But they're yeah. both big. They're, they're big. They're very big guys. They're both like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, uh, yep. You know, and, uh, you know, Arvell Nelson's just been around. He's, he's special as well. Uh, I've watched him throughout his career and, but more than just how great both those guys are, they're just, they're good people. And, you know, we have got a lot of great young players out there. So Kamish, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned some innovations that the league has rule wise, you know, started with the deuce and then the, the one point, um, another one that, that, you know, bringing those nets in and, and rebounding the ball off the net, uh, how how would you say these new innovations have have changed the the game this season, as far as that goes? So the, so bringing back the nets, you know the the arena league, which is what I grew up on between the arena league and AF two, you know always had the rebound nets, and uh, you know it's just when I think about arena football, it, it's I compare it to going to the circus and. The, you want to see the trapeze artist, right? That's the big, the big wow factor. Well, the nets are the same thing to me, to our game, but it makes our special teams massively relevant. So, you know, backing up a few years and the reason why the deuce came into play is because we wanted to make the kickers more relevant in our league. If you don't have the deuce, then kickoffs, why, why, why would you even kick it off to, to a Cali Rashad for, for uh, sake of that example? I happen to know last year every team in the league kicked it out of bounds because of that. Exactly. Right? So, so once the owners spent the money on on getting these rebound frames and nets back into play, you know they were like, "Well, how do we guarantee that they kick the ball to Cali Rashad?" Well, we're going to penalize them if they don't. You know, we're going to penalize them one point if they kick it out of bounds. So, uh, we want them used, but, but now our special teams have been such a massive factor in, in all the games that it just brings that, that next level of excitement. The, the kickoffs and kickoff returns are now truly a scoring play. There was a game a few weeks ago where Orlando went to uh, Carolina and there was three back-to-back kickoff returns for touchdowns. Yeah. So let me set this up for you. Carolina scored on a play. And then there was a return for a touchdown by Orlando, then a return for a touchdown by Carolina, then a return for a touchdown by, uh, by Orlando. So in a, in, a, in a span of four plays, there was four touchdowns. And I've been around the game since 1992. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Uh, now, I coached a game where my team lost kickoffs off the net for touchdowns back-to-back plays. But, uh, <laughs> you know, lost that game by, by a point. I'm not bitter about it at all. No, I don't think about it. Not so, at all. Uh, that was 2011 in Orlando, but anyway, uh, brought back nightmares there for a second. But <laughs> it's still just such a great part of our game, the rebound nets, you know, and it just adds another dynamic to our game that that's already a great game. So, uh, and then the substitution rules are what we call Ironman rules. You know, those reintrodu- reintroducing those last year, it does a couple things. It, it I believe it's, you know, looking at the scoring, our scoring has gone up, but it's also allowed for more parity in our league. So you're not seeing outside of maybe some organizational struggles that affect the team on the field, you're seeing a lot of parity top to bottom. Now right. you're starting to see two teams kind of separate themselves, Jacksonville mm-hmm. and uh, and San Antonio. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
there's five teams fighting for those last two spots and nobody's been eliminated yet, even though, you know, there's a team out there that's trying everything they can to be eliminated. (laughs) But not really, but... uh, well, you brought it up, so let's just touch on it because we got people in our chat and all of that kind of stuff that want to talk about um, everything going on right now around Albany. Um, and oh, one I of the referring to Albany, but that's fine. Oh, okay. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, and I even got a comment today, and I think he's hanging out in our chat from somebody that says, "Can you just tell the commissioner to dismiss AB? Just get rid of that ownership group." so that we can move forward as a league. I've tried to explain already just before you jumped onto the show that it just doesn't work like that, but you can probably do that better than I can. As a commissioner, do you have the ability to just tell an ownership group bye-bye? How do I answer that politically correct? Uh, (laughs) You put them on the spot. So, I mean, I mean, me alone, no, but right. through, the, through the ownership group, yes. Can we remove an ownership group? Absolutely. Are we going to remove an ownership group that happens to be uh, paying the bills? No. Right. Uh, right. Are we are we happy that there's all this turnover? No, not in a perfect world. I'm, I'm sure that the other teams don't mind it at all. But right. uh, the reality of it is there are some things that have happened behind the scenes that, that will not go public unless those sure. people involved want them to go public, but there's just, there's more to the story and, and it just, it hasn't been handled perfectly by the sides that are involved in it. But from my perspective, my, my primary job is to support the Albany empire the best that I can to make sure that all the games get played. And, uh, that, that sometimes is challenging, but we're not going to just tell a guy that spent more than a million and a half dollars say, yeah, sorry, bud, but you can't, you know, your team can't play anymore. That's, that's just not in the cards. I mean, it's just, you know, it, and, and honestly, it's tough because without Antonio, I don't think Albany plays this season. And that's the reality of it. Sure. And that's the thing that fans may not want to hear, mm-hmm. but that's the reality of the situation. It was a it was a unique situation that it it just was out of everybody's control that was not involved directly in that situation. In, in other words, it was out of every every other team's control, and and there were some things that were happening behind the scenes that I wasn't even aware of until they actually happened. And so that kind of dovetails into a question I would have for you. What message do you have for Albany Empire fans that are just at their wits end right now with with the way things are going around their team? Like, what would you say to them? You know, listen, support the young men that are out there, you know, fighting to win games and entertain you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Support the ownership group that is, I I believe, is trying their best to, to, to right the ship. I mean, you know, Players get cut and coaches get fired all the time. I coached, I got fired, I, I played, I got cut. I, I got cut a lot, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's part of sports, right? But uh, owners don't get cut, you know? Owners don't yeah. get fired. Well, maybe unless you're Washington Commandos. But, uh, 
but but you know it, it takes money and lots of money to run these organizations yes. and is it easy no you know when you're when you're a relatively new league you know our league's been around seven and a half years but six seasons right it's difficult as we navigate through circumstances that that we haven't had to deal with on a, every year there's something new that happens that we have to pivot adjust and keep just keep it going but you know i'm trying to focus on the big picture while supporting all the teams as much as i possibly can and taking the public view of arrows that keep coming my way <laughs> so uh but to try to represent this league the best of my ability so uh you know and as far as albany i mean at this point in time you know uh antonio did an interview recently and said he's playing their next home game so We'll see. <laughs> it's, well, he, he didn't actually tell me he was going to play in the last game. I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it was, you know, it was very, uh, I wasn't up there to really experience it. I don't, I mean, I know there was a video of him at practice, but from what I heard, he literally went out there and did a one route half speed. I don't think he was actually practicing, uh, like a week and a half ago or whatever it was. But, uh, he did an interview recently where he said he's definitely going to be playing. So, you know, I hope that happens. I mean, if, if that's what, what he wants, I mean, you know, uh, one of the things he and I talked about when I was up there last time is like, you know, Hey, listen, use, if if this is something that you can, you know, use to benefit your organization, if you want to play, the league's going to support you. You want to play, play. I'm not going to hold you up. And we we won't. That's enough of Albany. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about something that 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 kind of impacted us directly this week. Uh, Ralph Judkins, who is the play-by-play uh, for San Antonio for the Gunslingers, um, asks, "How in the world have we managed as a league to pull game run times down so far? The game this week clocked in at two hour under two hours and ten minutes." I know um, I should have brought my sledgehammer. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a great question. So speaking of that, last year we had a game in San Antonio that was three hours and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember there was a replay situation. There was an altercation on the field. And, you know, it was sure. just one of those Hot unfortunate mess. situations. And I literally came out of the stands and went in the booth. I was like, okay, what's going on? And, and they were doing a great job of managing the whole thing. And I was like, listen, we know one guy did something. You ejected him. Let's just give everybody a warning. Let's go. So I think in, in the past, it's like you, you want to be perfect in everything you do, right? But you also have to realize, you know, and this is what I tell people all the time. This is a game, but, it's a, but more importantly, it's a show. So we're trying to give the fans a three-hour action-packed show that's full of football, entertainment, mascots, dancers, promos, t-shirts, music. You know, we want to be the hot, the best valued show in, in our, in each of our towns. So, so how do we reduce that? One of our officials did an analysis of how much time we were spending on pre-plays of all things. And it's not just the officials part of it. It's, it's, the coaches and multiple flags and coaches would throw flags and say, well, you can't challenge that. Oh, well, I'll just give me my flag back. So we kind of tightened up everything we could tighten up. Meaning if you throw the flag, you're using it, right? If you, you know, on the cards that the officials give you on the front, gives all their names on the back. This is what you could review. 
So that helps the coaches to understand better what can we review. And the officials know they're on, on the clock, right? Hey, you, you, we got to get in and out. Make the call. We don't need a three-minute huddle for a regular penalty, and we don't need a five. Actually, it was six and a half minutes for every replay. Mm-hmm. You know, we took halftime down from 15 to 20 minutes, depending, to 13 minutes, same as mm-hmm. the NFL. Uh, so all these little things, two minutes here, three minutes there, they all add up. And now what do you know? We're at two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. So that was really important because, you know, people are losing their attention after three and a half, four hours. Sure. It's, 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 we don't, we don't want that. We want this game to be a party and we want you to still have time to go out to downtown to the river walk and go have a good time or go out to one of these great food trucks. By the way, San Antonio has so many great food trucks. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, I mean, I thought Orlando had a lot of food trucks, but my wife and I were driving around cause we spent a couple of days in San Antonio two weeks or a week and a half ago. And I'm like, there's another one that there's like 10 food trucks and it's just really, really cool. <laughs> to see the the I didn't realize San Antonio was such a foodie town. But anyway, so to answer your question, we just had to tighten up some things operationally, cut down halftime from 15 to 13. Some teams were using the the max 20, you know, time in between the officials are getting the guys out after touchdowns and everything. It just it's just a little a minute here and there. It was the difference. It wasn't any one item that we did. That was a long-winded answer. That's Sorry okay. about that. I was going to ask you, where do you see the league in the next five years? Great question. You know, if things go our way here in the next few weeks, we're trying to uh, we're trying to recruit some possible new teams. Uh, so, w- what I'd like to do because we've got very strong teams in Texas right now, two of them, mm-hmm. and we want to support the Texas teams by trying to, you know. Ideally, add a couple in Texas, but start adding more, uh, some teams to the north in the central time zone to help support and lower down the travel cost. Uh, same thing goes on the East Coast. You know, obviously, it's a unique situation on the East Coast. Albany is kind of up there on an island. Right. But that, that we need to stabilize the Albany market for sure. But w- we have a lot of other markets in the, generally speaking, the southeast and panhandle ver- uh, region of the, of the country that, are potential good markets for us to expand into. But, uh, you know, definite short-term goals to get to 10 teams, hopefully 14 for 2024. So I know we've got seven teams. We'd hope to go into the season with eight, but I notice we have, it seems to me like we play an awful lot of games for a small league. Is there a particular reason why we're running an 18 week schedule with eight, seven, eight teams? That seems like a lot to me. So the problem with the schedule being as long as it is, is with an odd number of teams, you have to have three bye weeks. So that, that extends a 14-game schedule <clears throat> into 17 weeks. So when we lost the Columbus team, and again, that was circumstances out of the, the league's control. It, was, it, was, sure. it is what it is. But when you have an even number of teams, you can pack a 14-game schedule into 14 or 15 weeks pretty easily. You know, so... With their, the factors involved with the schedule, number one, and I'll give San Antonio as an example. May is a very difficult month to get a home game at the Freeman Coliseum because, you know, they do all the graduations, I believe, right. in, the, in the month of May and probably some other things as well. So they literally don't have that option to have games in May. So we have multiple teams like Orlando's got to deal with the Magic and the Solar Bears. The Solar Bears is a hockey team. Now, fortunately for Orlando, the Magic never make the playoffs, but the <laughs> hockey team does. So. You know, uh, Jacksonville has a hockey team, you know. Yes, uh, the Iceman. 
Our they friend Jim, Mon- yeah, Jim Bernay would love the fact that we mentioned yeah. his his uh, yeah, Iceman. So, so when you're dealing with when you when you're competing with cities that have hockey, which plays a million games, and basketball that plays a million games, I mean, those are the primary tenants because they're given the arena. I mean, realistically, in basketball, what is it like? Something like 80, 82 home games or something like that. It's a lot. Or I don't know if it's that many. How many games they play? Like 140, 150? I don't know. 140, maybe. We're not they good at math on this show. It's a lot of games. But... Yeah, math is not <laughs> play... our strong suit on this show. So, in, in hockey, the same thing. They're playing like, what, 40 home games? They're playing like 80 games? They're, right. they're just a massive amount of games, right? We played 12 to 14. So... You know, now the the reason why we have a couple teams playing twelve and a couple play, teams playing fourteen is right now scheduling wise we had to get creative to to keep it at seventeen or eighteen total weeks or whatever. Uh, but we have teams like a Jacksonville that want more games. Jacksonville would play thirty games if we allowed them to because every home game is an opportunity to make money. Right. So, you know. And, and they are a, a team that's been at it since 2010. And, and from top to bottom, they do just a fantastic job. And, and every team should be modeling their franchise after Jacksonville for the most part. You know, now when it comes to San Antonio, for example, and, and the, the Rackler family and the John Wayne, uh, you know, uh, marketing machine behind it. If you look at San Antonio from the first half of last year to now, it's it's amazing how much better the show is how much cleaner the look is and it's just growing same thing out in west texas with zach bug out Mm -hmm. there as owner when you look at the first game to now it's just amazing night and day how much improvement they've made from from the first game to the third or fourth home game so uh yeah i don't know where i was going with that but (laughs) i have one more question so what do you say to the people that say that the other leagues and the nal are in competition I mean, that's fair. I mean, let's just let's just mention it. There's a couple of leagues out there, the CIF and the IFL. You know, I think the IFL does a really good job. They do a, a fantastic job with their social media marketing. You know, their website's clean. You know, we take a look at it. I mean, we're, you know, we look at some of the things they do and we analyze them ourselves and say, hey, you know, are these things that we want to do. I mean, they took our deuce and, and they're using our deuce now. I, I, I should have trademarked that. That's you my fault. But, uh, but. You know, a lot of fans say, well, why don't you just merge? Why don't you just merge? You know, we've gone down that road with multiple leagues. And, you know, I will say this, though. They play a different game. Right. And, you know, I've told the owners, if you believe you should merge with those leagues, you know, then then that's what you should do. But we play arena football. They don't. You know, we have one guy in motion. They've got two. We've got more – actually less rules on it, it. The rules are just different. It's just a different game. Right. You, if you watch their game and you watch ours, it's different. That doesn't mean ours is better or th- or theirs is better. I mean, we all know ours is better, but <laughs> that doesn't matter. But in all fairness to them, they do a lot of good things. And, you know, we watch them and, and uh, you know, we study our competition and, uh, you know, we try to learn from them as well. You know, they, they have a, a bigger budget from a front office standpoint, but you know, we, we have some things that we do a little bit better, I think as well, you know, uh, they're not going to come in here and play arena football and beat any of our teams. That's for sure. Any <laughs> of our teams that are currently playing arena football anyway. Sure. Um, and that's just me being a, an NAL homer, 
I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm confident in the style of game we play. For example, they have a team in their league that used to be in our league that never won a playoff game. They went to their league and won the championship in the first year, right. you know? And part of that reason is because they had guys that were more suited to that style of game. And in our game, if you don't have that, for lack of a better description, if you don't have that gunslinger at the helm, you're not going to win. Right. It doesn't matter. I mean, you have to, have, I guess, you have to have a quarterback that could sit, stand in the pocket and chuck the rock. I mean, that our, and I'll admit that, you know, the other leagues say, well, you know, if, if our quarterback gets hurt, our season's not over. We can go to local college and find a guy. I was like, yeah, you can't. And you can't do that in our league. You have to be a guy that can pass the ball, you know, but the same thing holds true in the NFL. If you don't have a guy that can chuck the rock, right. you're not going to win. Right. And that's, just the bottom line. So, Kamish, you're talking about the rules being different in this league, kind of making it a different game from others. Uh, the fans on on here on the chats, they're talking about, uh, as far as rules, we were talking earlier about the game times being cut short, that a big part of that being the substitution refs. Um, and then you're mentioning uh, the, the time being cut down on these games, as well as the the necessity of having these long, longer seasons so that we can get the bye weeks right for the amount of teams we have right now. All of that kind of relates to one thing, the Ironman football rule. And now having that, believe us, we're in this now a season and a half now, uh, looking at that. What what are your thoughts on how that's how that's working for this league? And um, are, are we are we planning to to st stick with that for the long run, or are there have there been discussions about going away from that, or uh, talk about that a little bit? So I think it's been really good. So so you mentioned one thing in particular, and I'll add to it as well. Uh, the, we kind of tweaked how we did our substitutions this year, and that helps as well. For example, that, in, in the history of the game, the substitution official would just simply be marking the players off on the list and. Every once in a while, you have an illegal substitution. You throw the blue flag. Matter of fact, I think there was one in San Antonio last year. So in an effort to eliminate that, we said, hey, like every other sport, you need to check in with the official before you go in, like basketball, right? right? So now the right. guy's kind of checking at the bench. So that's kind of eliminated outside of the first play in Albany in the very first game of the year where they just filled out their form wrong. We haven't had one substitution infraction that I know of that's stopped the game. Uh, number two, we added – a third specialist. Now, back in 2006, we had the we had a season where they experimented with what we call an offensive line and a defensive line specialist, right? So it was a third specialist, right? You have two offensive specialists, two defensive specialists. We added a third specialist. He's got to play either on the offensive line or the defensive line. He can't play DB, can't play linebacker. On offense, he can't play receiver, can't play fullback, can't play quarterback. So he's restricted to the O-line, D-line. And of course he could play special teams and that also helps our game a little bit because it gets another guy on the field. Well, a guy like Justin Alexander is mm -hmm. so valuable. You don't want him playing on offense. You want him on every snap on every play. Right. And to coach Shaw's credit, every lineman in the league holds him. And I understand that, but you know, <laughs> he's, he's that good, but you know, He's a guy that benefits from that substitution rule. Now, he's athletic enough. He could probably turn around and be an effective offensive lineman, but you don't want to take him off the field defensively. Conversely, you know, most teams are making their center the offensive line specialist, and that ensures, hey, right. good center quarterback exchange. You always have that one offensive lineman that you know is going to be in there. And now, now it becomes more of a – you know, our game is more of a 
possession game and more of a managing your players game. Whereas the other versions of the game, they get a lot of different X's and O's. They get a lot of different technical stuff from the coaching standpoint, but brings back to the arena game and why I love it so much. I feel like our game is a little bit more artistic. It is different. And the more different we are, the better, because I just don't think fans are all, all in on the outdoor game being played 24 seven. We've got, I mean, you're in Texas, so you got high school football is pretty big there. Yep. Uh, yep. College football is pretty big there. Yep. Uh, well, the NFL is pretty big there. Yeah. Right. I don't think people would be. I don't know how many people are going to the to the other game that that's actually indoors, but in the big stadium. But it's just a hard sell for me to play the same game outdoors or in a big arena like the uh, like the uh, Alamo Dome, which is an awesome sure. venue. But to just watch the same game another four months out of the year, four or five months out of the year. That's the hard part that I think the spring leagues always they're competing with. Well, we're not the NFL, so we're not the best professionals, uh, but we're very good. And we're better than obviously better than college. We're, we're guys that are fringe NFL players. I think maybe some of those leagues want to compete with the NFL. I don't know, but when it comes to our league, I could truly say we've got the best arena football players in the world. Right. We are the top yeah. level. We are the big. Now, eventually our, the, the, as the fans get more involved, the players' salary, we don't have a salary cap, so the salaries could be whatever the salaries are going to be. But the owners also realize we, we can't pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to these young men when right. when we, we're, we're trying not to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, yeah. but, but that's why I love the uniqueness of our game. It is different. Not everybody can play it, but we are the best arena football league in the world. So let's uh, transition real quickly as we as we wrap up our time here with you. Uh, and thanks for coming on and spending so much time yeah. with us. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about San Antonio specifically as a market. You uh, were part of that, uh, welcoming this team in and this franchise in and an ownership group in last year that had a great idea um, and had uh, a lot of passion. And then they transitioned and handed it off to a group that has the resources and kind of the skins on the wall when it comes down to marketing and some of those kind of things. And one of our things that we've always said is that the San Antonio gunslingers in the NAL does not happen without both of those groups that existed, Jason and Hector and what they did to get us here. And then what James and Don and uh, the, the Racklers and Stubings have done to keep us here and, and, and really make it a relevant product here in this market. How do you, is that fair from what you saw from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you have to have, you have to have the funds behind you to get a, get a large organization off the ground and, and the Rattlers obviously have that. Uh, Hector and, and those guys, Jason, they did a great job of, of putting it together and they were thanked immensely from us, you know, from a league standpoint. Matter of fact, uh, multiple teams, including San Antonio, I believe, still still go to Hector. Hector is one of our primary uniform suppliers. Yep, so, uh, yep, sure is. You know, uh, I mean, so he's might be gone as an owner, but he's definitely not forgotten when we have, I think, at least four teams relying, maybe five teams relying on him for their uniform needs, and uh, and he's been doing a great job as far as that. So, uh, you know. I know that those guys have, have talked about possibly getting back into it in another city. I don't know if they're going to pursue that, but uh, I said, you know, well, make sure you keep taking care of those uniforms too, because everybody's loving them. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that very thankful for the rack Rack to take over. And 
you know, we're, we're very fortunate that they stepped up like that. You know, the whole town of San Antonio and our whole league is, you know, thankful for that. Uh, and we have other cities that, you know, same thing, you know, we can't do it without the owners and we're not kicking any of them out this year. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Last, I had to go there. Last thing from me. I don't know about the yeah. other two, but I, last thing from me, uh, I know that, in this particular league, and we talked a little bit about your staff and what the, the league staff looks like, uh, one of the things that seems like it's lacking, and I've been critical of myself, and I'll just be really honest about it, is is communication from the league level down to the fan level or to the markets. What can inside the walls, smoking guns, these kind of outlets that we have kind of built um, do to help you and help the league communicate more clearly with fan bases um and with yeah. potential fans yeah absolutely you guys have actually given some great ideas uh privately to me and uh we're definitely in the in the near future hopefully next year going to need somebody else on staff that can help control the message whether it's a, a sure. full-time social media type and marketing type uh there was a fan up in uh, albany new york that pulled me aside one time and he mentioned that he was extra critical of me <laughs> So, which is code for he's been throwing the arrows online at me, which is fine. Sure. I'm not on, I'm not on Facebook. So apparently, uh, I don't need to be either, but, uh, but he made, you know, made a good comment about, uh, the situation up there. And he's like, you know, I saw your statement from the league and he goes, you really didn't say anything. Well, I said, I, I thought I said a lot. I just didn't say what the fans wanted me to say, I guess. But, uh, but the one thing I took away from it that he said, which was very good, was he goes, if you could have just put out something early that said we're looking into things. Sure. And I was like, huh, I didn't really think about that. Sure. But it was a great idea because the reality of it is every day we're looking into things with every single team and not, not necessarily bad things, right? But we're right. always monitoring situations, assisting teams with whatever the issue is, right? Uh, having phone conversations. And there's so much kind of going on behind the scenes that, I think sometimes the fans can feel left out and that's on me because, you know, I'm just trying to do my work during the week. I'm not thinking about what well, I need to make a statement because X, Y, Z is going to happen. You know, uh, last week when I was in San Antonio, my phone was blowing up with, with news reports out of, uh, Albany and I'm literally out to dinner and my wife was like, looking at me like, don't answer that phone. <laughs> so, so, you know, I didn't. And, sure. I mean, and it's tough because it's like I was, all right, what am I missing? What's going on? And <laughs> whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I think sometimes maybe uh, we're very tra we're very transparently. That's that's first thing the fans need to know. But yeah, if there's a better way for us to maybe get messages out sooner or quicker, or maybe an, hey, we're, we're looking into whatever the scenario is, you know. Sure. Uh, but like, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, our our championship game is definitely going to be on YouTube. Right. But my goal is to, to work out this deal, to get it on a major, uh, I'm literally looking at the channel right now. Uh, l let me be clear. It can happen, sure. but there are a few things that have to happen in the interim. And of course it takes funding to get it there, but, sure. but we have a potential opportunity to get on a, a, a great station that's, that's worldwide. But Can it's I, not like I can't announce that, hey, we're working on a, tele, you know, a television right. deal, and then it never comes through. So then it's like, ah, there he goes again. Yeah. 
Can so, I uh, can I ask if that's if that would be a live broadcast of it or a delayed broadcast? Yeah, no, uh, yeah well, I'm assuming it's going to be live. Okay. Uh, sometimes that is one of those things that, hey, we can put you on our network, but we can do it two weeks after your championship no, game no, no, actually no, no, plays. No, 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 no. You know, uh, I, I was things. thinking more like a 10-second delay just in case. Oh, no, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking the actual tape delay. No, no, you no, know. no, it would be, no. It, my understanding is it would be live, and it would be. Oh, very cool, very know, cool. Uh, but, you know, so, you know, but it's not done. It's, it's, uh, sure. it's one of those things that feels like it's really close, but it's not it's not close until the contract signed and then it's close. Then we can make an announcement. So, and, and honestly, none of our owners know about it yet. You, you know, so the first? Uh, James Steubing uh, does now, or James Steubing <laughs> is uh, going to be giving a call to Don Reckler. I, I, I had a five minute conversation before I got on here about this is what's possible. And I'm waiting for the details. And then I had another conversation. It's just a lot of moving parts. It's a, it's sure. a fluid situation. And but that's the goal for this year for me. For I say for me for for the league is to, you know, uh, you know that gives added value not only to the to the to the fans but to the owners as well. Because then when you start getting your reach out there from X number to millions, you know people need to see what a great product that we have. And then once they see it, then they can uh, come to, come to the uh, uh, Freeman Coliseum and sell that sucker out. And, sure. You know, uh, sing Kumbaya. To the moon. <laughs> sure. Jim Renee what... has checked in a couple of times on our Facebook feed and asked about your golf game. So apparently Ooh. he's really interested in how your golf game's going. <laughs> Well, can you ask them what their handicap is before I respond? <laughs> you heard it, Jim. What's your handicap? Uh, RC, you had something. Yeah, you mentioned that you're a player. So what position did you play? Well, when I was trying to play, it was receiver. Uh, <laughs> so I actually uh, I played Division Two ball up in Pennsylvania. Uh, I was a Division II uh, receiver, and I was actually a D1 wrestler. So uh, came down to Florida, made the Orlando Predators, and rode the bench, was on the practice squad all year because they were very good and I was decent. <laughs> so, but I played receiver, played a little bit of DB. I was not very good at defense, uh, but I was a receiver by trade. I was, I was, uh, I held my own. I wish in my mind and in my heart, I was a lot better than what I was. <laughs> okay. He is Chris Siegfried. He is the uh, commissioner of the NAL. And uh, he, some people may not know this. Um, I hear a lot of people mention, Chris, that you are a little bit of a homer for some of the Florida teams because that's where you're at and that's where you're from and that's the connection you have. I have I have photo proof that you are also a Gunslinger fan. Uh, here you are right here uh, in a Gunslinger jersey. I'm guessing that's your gotcha. wife with you. Is that right? I hope so, because if it was my girlfriend, <laughs> my wife would be really mad right now. No, that's not right. If she uh, watches she, the she, show, she, no. Um, no, James, well, I got, I got, James I got, Stooping reached out with yeah, that and said, hey, no. uh, here's something to embarrass There's him proof. There's proof. No, so I got to be honest with you. You know, they could say whatever. I do live near Orlando, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have not actually been to a Predators game this year, uh, but – my first ever college football game was in the state of Texas. Oh, yeah? Really? I happen to live on the same street as one Grant Taft. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and the uh, 
uh, early 70s, I was a Baylor Bears fan. That was my first love with the Baylor Bears. So uh, now I often give my parents a hard time. It's like if, if we if we never moved away from Texas, I would have been a Baylor Bear. <laughs> so I do have a funny recruiting story out of Baylor, though. Sure. I, was, I sent my uh, highlight tape to Baylor and uh, they actually responded and were like, you know, best we can do is offer you a preferred walk on. We don't recruit outside the state of Texas, but I'm like, but but I lived in Texas, don't you? Don't you remember? <laughs> and uh, you know, I told my dad, I said, "Hey, Dad, preferred walk-on. I believe in myself. I could do it." And my dad's reminded me how much the tuition was, and he said, "Yeah, uh, yeah, you're gonna stay private school, so like, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> but Dad, I can walk off. Sure. But uh, that was my first lesson in economics 101. So I sure, went to a state go. school in Pennsylvania. So. Uh, but no, it was uh, yeah. So I, I did not show favoritism to the hometown team of Orlando uh, or Jacksonville, but uh, you know, nice try, whoever that was. <laughs> <laughs> he is Chris Siegfried. He is the commissioner of the NAL. Chris, thank you so much for spending some time with us, um, talking with fun. us. The thank door is always open, always open. Um, for you to come on and chat with us anytime. I know you're a busy guy, but uh, we love having a chance to catch up with you and. Uh, find out more about what the league is doing. Great yeah. things are happening, man. One, one more thing, because I always sure. see these players. I always see these players wearing their. I can't. I can't. I'm gonna do a flash first. But anyway, I don't want to say what logo it is because they're not quite in our league yet. But uh, that was my championship ring. So. Oh wait! All right. Show it again. Show it again. Uh, <laughs> we didn't get a good look. Show us again. I want to see what it's going to look like. <laughs> <here. laughs> actually, actually, they're not playing in any league right now. This is my 06 championship uh, ring as a oh, head coach of Spokane oh, Shock. Nice. So, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Good shot. Love it. I never wear it, but you know, every time I see players at games and they have all the rings, I was like, hey, I got a ring. I'm like, why don't I wear it? And my Absolutely. wife's like, yeah, why don't you wear your ring? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, hey guys, thank you so much. I, Thanks I, so much I, for coming on and spending some time with us. We uh, really appreciate you. I, I had a blast. Thanks for everything you guys do. You bet. Yeah, what, it's you. like that, right? There oh. you go. Yeah. Guns up. There it Guns is. Up. See, Thanks. I'm showing favoritism to San Antonio. There you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Such a hey, San Antonio homer. <laughs> <laughs> He's Chris Siegfried. He is the commissioner of the league, and we are so thankful that he stopped by and spent some time with us. Uh, hope we got some of your questions answered. I know we got some of ours answered. Um, I have. I've been a little critical, not only here on the show, but uh, live or, or uh, you know, around the league. Um, I feel like that is something that, uh, that being communication is something that they uh, don't excel in right now. And I have even offered my services directly to the commissioner a couple of times. That's what he was referencing. Uh, writing some releases and writing some statements for him. He's used a couple of things, and so most of what I've seen him, he hasn't used, and that's fine. Um, I just provide it uh, to help and do what we could. Um, nice to have him on. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That is something that we've talked about for uh, the entire time in the NAL. Gee, it would be great if we could get the commissioner on, and we did. Um, so... Check that one off the box, that or check that box off. That's done. Having the commissioner on. What's next? Where do we go next? Um, 
Well, we, need, we could talk mm, about the football mm, camp that's coming up in June with the gunslingers. I mean, we can. I was I was talking about what's oh, our next what's our next goal as a yes. show. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. Uh, win a championship. Said. It's hardware. The Let's rings, just do that next. Yeah, he's yeah. talking about rings, and I, I, I was uh, I was remembering our discussion at the beginning of the season uh, that this is a a hardware season. Yeah, it's a hardware and, season. And yeah. and I forget who mentioned it, but someone said that that maybe the that hardware might even extend to uh, some some media. So, hey, <laughs> I, even I, if we I, had an I, opportunity to, <laughs> even if we had an opportunity to buy. Um, into a championship ring, I would certainly look at that because we are not to toot our own horn too much. You know, I don't like to do that. You know, I don't like to toot my own horn, but when it all comes down to it, we are the longest tenured folks around the San Antonio gunslingers. Coaches have changed. Players have changed. Owners have changed. The podcast has remained the same since the beginning, uh, since 2020. So here we so. are bragging that we're the oldest. Right. Thanks a lot, Philip. <laughs> hey, there no, there's some players. It's true. There are some it's players true. that have been around. You're right. You're not wrong. Kali Rashad, had. Caleb Roller, uh, we could name a bunch of them off. Cody Brooks. Pierre. Uh, yeah. Pierre Turner. Uh, lots of guys that have Nick been around. Thomas. But but to be fair, Leo, uh, we were a show before the very first signing day, so even those players. Haven't been around as long You're as You're not have. wrong. That is correct. Uh, so. <laughs> James Palmer says fan rings need to be a thing. Um, and Alex McSwain says next goal is a show. Bring on AB. Pass. Hard pass. Oh. <laughs> Jay hey, Washington says George Strait. I'm down with having George. Okay. I, I'm okay I don't know that. how we connect it to San Antonio professional football, but I'll find a way if we can get George Strait on the show. Oh, yeah. If anyone knows him or has connections, let us know. So. Uh, no, great to have the commissioner on. It, it's it's funny. You can, in a vacuum, talk about uh, what they're doing wrong and what they need to do better and all of those kind of things, and then you get an opportunity to actually hear from him yourself, and you're like, man, they're doing a lot. I, the idea that the championship game may be on Television live is huge. I, I don't think people understand how big a deal that could be. Yeah, that'd be huge. And the fact that he's working on that not sometime, not in a few years, but he's working on that for this year, it's big. Um, mm -hmm. That's a big thing to be working on. That's got a lot of moving parts. You don't just call up a, a network and say, hey, put something on your network. And they go, okay, yeah, let's do that. Um, there's a lot to that. Um <laughs> Alex McSwain says EA's being an eight, the Ocho. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. But hey, it's not. It's not strictly on YouTube at that point. So it seems like he has a lot on his shoulders. He's wearing many hats, and mm -hmm. he seems very passionate about the league and about the game. So um, I saw yeah. like a different side of him. You know that he was really personable. Very talkative, um, willing to answer all the questions. He didn't like sidetrack or anything. So I appreciate that interview. I think it went really well. Well, and the game is getting better. The NAL version of the game is getting better. The nets in place, which you brought up, Leo. Um, all of these things that they've improved on. Uh, Michael Wayne Davis talking about this year, the games are faster. The officiating yeah. is better. All of that is true. Um, and all of that is part of what Chris is doing. 
Chris Siegfried is doing along with Joel Clarkson and and his staff. But Chris is really the one that's kind of forcing that through. In fact, if it weren't for the drama in Albany, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but man, how smooth has this been? Outside of outside of that drama in Albany, which, by the way, Chris mentioned it. I think it's important to say it, there was going to be drama in Albany one way or the other. It happens to be AB. But if AB never steps into Albany, Albany probably doesn't play a game all season. And that's a whole different kind of drama. That's true. So, you know, there was going to be that drama anyway. Um, but aside it's from that, flavor. things have been smooth. Things have been really smooth. Yeah. Well, he said it, and I think he means it. And I think it's his his goal to to get the league there and keep it there. He said this is the best arena football league in the world. And and I think he truly believes that. He's right. Look, I've yeah. turned on some IFL games. I've turned on some CIF games when I just am looking for something to watch and something to do. I just I can't. I can't get into it. It's not That's interesting. The game is different, and our version of the game is better. Like, he kind of joked about it and said, we got the best version of the game. Ha, ha, ha. Just kidding. No, not just kidding. Like, we've got the best version of the game. It's exciting. It's it's tight. It's fast-paced, certainly, this year. Um, I like what the NAL is putting together. I'd like to see us get about three more teams. Um, and I would still like to shorten up the schedule a little bit. 18 weeks is a long schedule. That's a long, long schedule. And that's before we get into playoffs and championships. We've got an 18 week schedule. So, so Philip, if you had to pick one city <clears throat> to expand to, what would be your city? And then Leo. Go ahead, Leo. No, why do I got to go first? All right, I'll <laughs> one, go first. One, one I'm, I'm going to say Chicago. I would well, love to have a team in Chicago. So that's sure. boom. Like Chicago in that family. central time zone, but that's still a long way away for the San Antonio Gunslingers and the uh, the uh, Warbirds uh, to have to travel. So I, I was thinking more, you know, to to keep that as as the the commissioner said, as Chris said, uh, to keep you know teams and and have the the, the level the of extent. stress of travel for the Texas True. teams. I was thinking like maybe Oklahoma City. Yeah, immediately what popped to mind was Oklahoma City or Tulsa. I know Tulsa has an IFL team, um, but Oklahoma City or Tulsa. I love Johnny Salazar's idea of New Orleans. I kind of like, like that New a Orleans. lot. I could go there. Uh, James Palmer says Dallas or Houston. Big cities. I don't know that big cities play well for arena football. Like that's been tried and kind of failed. Um, but smaller markets. Mm-hmm. Um, Fayetteville. I, I mean, look at the markets that we're seeing right now. Jacksonville, Fayetteville, Orlando. These are mid-level markets. They're not Dallas. They're not Houston. They're not Chicago. Um, sorry, RC. They're they're not these uh, large, huge metropolitan areas, but they're places where, uh, you know, a, a niche sport like arena football could really be successful. If we ever get over to the West Coast, I'd say San Diego. I know they have an IFL team, but San Diego would be nice. Uh, somebody says Omaha. Pro, Pro Arena Talk says Omaha or Wheeling or Columbus, Georgia. These are all decent ideas. I, yeah. Yep. Bring them on. Oh, I'm sorry. They're not all decent ideas. Austin is not a decent idea. No. Let's, let's, 
Well, I think the comment was saying, don't say Austin. Oh, uh, but somebody popped in. And, agree. <laughs> uh, Michael Wayne Davis, Austin sound. Oh, wrongly. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of having one in Austin. That's just not a thing I want to mm-hmm. see. Uh, I, I'm interested to see where expansion goes. I really wish Columbus had stuck around this year. I think eight teams fits better, mm-hmm. works better. Um, but, uh, oh, Birmingham or Huntsville. That's, yeah. It's not a bad call. A bad um, Mobile would be another place that I think would, would be kind of the right sort of size to grab onto a, a, a team. So these are all great ideas. Send them to the commissioner. Um, he's got Twitter. You can just hit him up, direct message him on Twitter with all of these, all of these he's ideas. He's going to love that, Philip. <laughs> Oh, he's an engaging guy. Yeah. I don't think he's, yeah. Uh, The Omaha beef. uh, Michael Wayne Davidson says the beef need to come to the NAL. Man, I'd be all for that, but they are a tough team. Uh, Even over in the CIF, they are a tough team. They're a really good football team. Uh, They come over here and they might, they might, uh, Waco. No, not Waco. No, no. Now you've gone the other direction. You went with, you went with Houston and Dallas and now you're going with Waco. Okay. Somewhere in the middle of those two. That's what we're looking for. And no more in Texas. Like, we got West Texas. We've got San Antonio. I I don't know that we need more in Texas. I would have said Oklahoma City or Tulsa. And you may think that's weird because you're like, wait, Philip, don't you hate Oklahoma? Yes, I absolutely do. And that makes them fun to hate. That makes an Oklahoma City or a Tulsa team fun to hate. And I'm all for that. I'm all about that. Uh, Norman. Put one in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, Right next to uh, OU. Get some college kids in there uh, mm-hmm. for the game. Let's do that. Yes, Tol- yes, Michael Wayne Davis. I know Tulsa has an IFL team. That doesn't mean they couldn't be an NAL team. We can grab them. We can grab them. Chattanooga, Tennessee, says Mo Ferrante. Mm-hmm. I like Chattanooga. I think it's key if they have cities where they have um, a big college population because I think some of the players from the college level would – fit right in with the NAL. The college population, maybe military basis. I know Fayetteville, I'm very shocked that Fayetteville doesn't do better attendance-wise than they do with uh, with the base being right there in Fayetteville. What about an NAL team down in the Valley? I can handle that. Like McAllen? Yeah, McAllen would be a good place. I like Corpus. Eh, Corpus is too close to San Antonio. How about Palacios? I'm down. Let's do it. We don't have an arena. You'd have to build it here. Every game there. You'd have to build the arena, but I mean, other than that, yeah, let's do it. And it's Palacios, by the way, not Palacios. I say Palacios. It's Palacios. Well, if you if you pronounce it the correct way of of the word, it would be. But they don't. Okay, we're we're by far we're not the only Texas town that spells it wrong or that says it wrong. Um, but we do, you know, like Lakey is not Lakey. Bernie is not Bernie. Like there's plenty of those that you look at and you're like, that's not what that says. Yep. Or Bear, B-X-A-R. Yeah, Bear (laughs) County. Bexar County. Las Cruces, New Mexico would be fun. Oh, I would like that. Albuquerque would be fun. Mm -hmm. Albuquerque would be a lot of fun and you could tie in some Breaking Bad stuff. It'd be great. It'd be a big fan. Green, pronounced green when it's not spelled green. Yes, Jay Washington. That's exactly the kind of stuff I'm talking about. 
Oh, James Steubing, the boss, checking in, and he says Lake Charles. Uh, I'll go there. Lake Not Charles will be a lot of fun. Lake Charles will be great. Does so the, the Senate is something we don't. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you're right. Alex McSwain says there is an indoor team in Albuquerque. You're right. The Duke City Gladiators are in Albuquerque, I believe. Um, and they don't do anything with Breaking Bad. How ridiculous. Anyway. So the Gunslingers are 6-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is it too early? Look, the team's not going to do this. The players aren't going to do this. The coach certainly isn't going to do this. But we can. Is it too early to start thinking about who we would rather see in the playoffs? Uh, it's not too early for us. It's definitely. Yeah, no, you, I'm don't, not, you don't I'm, want players or, like the people you just mentioned. You don't want them thinking about that. But no fans. Yeah, we can have fun of with course. that. Why not? Um, I, I'm I'm all in right now. Fayetteville is in that fourth place position. I'm all about Fayetteville coming to San Antonio for the first round of the playoffs. Do it. West Texas kind of scares me. Orlando, they have potential. Fayetteville, I mean, they got Rakeem Cato. They've got Summers. They've got Kendrick Ings. They've got things that that, uh, make them a reasonable, solid fourth team. But out of all of them, I'm all down for the Mustangs right now. The Mustangs are in that fourth position, and I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I'm, 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 yes. You think we've seen what they are? I do. I think we're the better team, and 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 aside from beating ourselves, mm-hmm. I think we win that game. I think we would win that playoff game. Am I wrong? Is there a team you'd rather see? Albany aside, like let's go ahead and take all. I know they're not. I know they're, <laughs> they're not, not going to make the playoffs. We're just gonna I know they're not right technically right eliminated yet, but they're eliminated. Yeah. yeah. Let's go ahead and eliminate them and just say of the teams of the six teams left, uh, Jacksonville. You're not going to see if everything holds the way it holds right now. You're not going to see them in the first round. No. Um, but anybody else is a possibility. Carolina. By the way. Now that I bring up Carolina, good thinking, Philip. That's great that you brought up Carolina. Thank you, Phil. I, I thought you might have something to say about that. See, I can do the show by myself if I needed to. I know you could. <laughs> Carolina, all week last week, we heard how San Antonio has lost a step. They're not as good a team. Carolina is a better team. They got ranked in a bunch of people's power rankings over San Antonio. They go out against those Fayetteville Mustangs, and they got beat from beginning to end. Tell me now that the Carolina Cobras are markedly better than the San Antonio Gunslingers, folks. Do it now. Because you did it all week last week. Do it now. Cricket. (laughs) They are not. Every team... The people that were saying that, they're probably not on this show right now. But (laughs) That's true. Yeah, Yeah, but they're going to hear it. They're they're going to hear it, yeah. They're going to hear it. They're going to be looking around for NAL content, and they're going to run across it. And if you were one of those folks that was all about, uh, you know, Carolina is coming on strong and San Antonio is fading, it's clear that Carolina is better. And this is the kind of stuff I saw all week last week. Say it now. You said it then. Say it now. Like the uh, like the gunslinger said at the beginning of the season as they started ripping off win after win. Keep that same energy. Mm-hmm. If you were so sure that Carolina was markedly better than the San Antonio Gunslingers, I want you to keep that. I want you to keep that idea in your head 
because I think it was proved this week that San Antonio, Jacksonville even kind of struggled with West Texas. Mm-hmm. San Antonio, Jacksonville, and Carolina, they are the three best teams in the league. I don't think there's any doubt of that. But I don't think there's any division between. I think any one of those teams can be the victor in a game between those teams. Um, I don't think any of those teams rises markedly above the others. I think all three of them rise above the rest of the league. But those three teams, it's like one A, B, and C to me. Like they are, they are separating themselves. Absolutely. And which team would you say besides the San Antonio, if we conclude ourselves, has the highest attendance? Jacksonville. 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 Yeah. Jacksonville clearly. Oh yeah. Oh, they're killing us in attendance. Killing us. Oh, killing us. Come on. Killing us. Yeah. Oh, oh, San Antonio attendance has been bad. Like I, I am, I have not liked what I've seen in the, in the Freeman. I don't understand why. You can't, you can't blame the team. There was, there was a time that we used to look at attendance for Gunslingers games and go, yeah, but if they could do this and if they could get on that and if they could be part of and if they could get radio commercials and if they could get on talk radio and look, you got Chris Duell talking about you on WOAI. You've got both of the sports talk radio shows, radio channels doing weekly interviews with your head coach. You got billboards all over town. You've got radio ads running all the time. I think they've even got some TV ads running. I'm not sure. Um, you've got social media going off. You can no longer look at the gunslingers and go, well, if they were just doing a better job getting the message out there, maybe we would see more. Mm-hmm. That's just not the case. Now it's on San Antonio. Now it's on the San Antonio football fan to me um, because they're just not getting out there like they should. And they're hearing about yeah. it. The message is there. Yeah, and and Robert Rankin says on the chat there, and they're winning. Exactly, they're, they're they're six and one and still struggling now. Scheduling has not been kind. No, we'll give them that. You know, it hasn't. Uh, they've only, you know, no home heart. Just the one home game and then the long road trip, and now we've had a couple home games and struggled. Both have been on a Sunday afternoon, which is, <laughs> you know, can be can be challenging. We'll see because uh, the next game is going to be a Saturday game. It is the next three yep. games are Saturdays. Yep. June seventeenth, yep. June twenty fourth, and July twenty second. All Saturday games. So I think I'm hoping, and I think it's just a slow roll, and we're going to start to see it kind of pick up, and it's it's going to explode, especially if they keep winning games, which I have confidence that they will. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, up to this point, definitely very disappointing in as far as the uh, attendance for these games. Right. Everyone who's there is having a great time. Everyone who's there, you talk to anybody, I've talked to so many people, people that, you know, are repeat comers, people that have just gone for the first time. Everybody's having a great time. Johnny Salazar on Facebook says NFL games are on Sunday. Yeah, this ain't the NFL. Let's not use that metric um, and go, hey, they can draw for the NFL on Sunday. They can draw in the middle of a snowstorm on a Thursday night in the NFL. It's the NFL. Like people show up for that stuff, um, so let's not use that metric. It just—it's not fair to the NAL to say, "Well, the NFL does it. Why can't it work in the NAL?" It's not, well, the, it's not the same. It's not the same uh, measuring stick at all. Johnny might mean it where he's calling out the fans and saying, true. "You make time for the NFL games on Sundays." Oh, that's true. Make, you no, you're not wrong. The gunslingers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're not wrong. 
but I, I've been disappointed. I, I really have. I, I showed up on Sunday hoping, I mean, I drove like, uh, I, I furiously drove. I made a three-hour drive in two hours, two and a half hours. Oh, my. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I did everything I could to get here as quickly, get there as quickly as I could. I walk into the doors of the arena. I walk in the back there because I'm special and I get a special parking pass. But I walk in the back there and I walk into the stadium and I'm looking at the crowd and I'm going, are you kidding me? Where is everybody? Now it filled out a little bit. uh, What, what Leo, right after the first quarter, you kind of look around and you're like, okay, okay. Now there's a crowd here, but not, not what should be. No. Go ahead. No, go ahead. RC. I was going to say, I wonder why the fans, and this could just be me, they have, like, nosebleed seats, which are great, right? You're there. Why can't they come down a little bit more? No one's really checking the tickets, so that way we can fill up the lower level a little bit more. They paid for them seats up there. They paid for them seats up there. I'm not saying down all the way to the field, but if you're on, like, the 80th row, you can come down to the 40th, make it look a little bit fuller. I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I mean, it's going to look like it's going to look um, no matter where they sit because in the Freeman, if they're sitting up in those top levels up in that upper bowl, it yeah. looks sparse. But if you moved them all down to that lower bowl, that lower bowl is hidden by the upper bowl. It kind of hangs out over it. So I don't know that that would look any fuller necessarily. Well, I'm not saying to go to the next uh, bowl, but just come down a couple of seats so at least there's not that big gap. Robert Rankin, if you're still wondering, if you're still looking for reasons to do it, it's very affordable. He took his whole family for a hundred bucks. Name something you can do with your whole family for an afternoon that only costs you a hundred bucks. Go. That's what I thought. I go to Whataburger and I spend like (laughs) 40 for the three of us. Yeah. We splurged today on Sonic for the five people in my household. My mother-in-law is there with me. (laughs) <laughs> it was $56 to get Sonic. Wow. Like, <laughs> and that was one meal. It was over I in know. like 15 minutes. The food was like gone. You know, I got a teenager, a preteen, my mother-in-law, my wife and I, and we, 15 minutes later, I'm looking at the table and going, where did my 55 bucks go? Yeah. It is insane. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I, I, unfortunately, I think, Part part of the struggle, part of this deal is exactly what uh, Michael Wayne Davis is referring to, where he said people need to stop being football snobs. I think he's right to the games. I, I think he's right too, unfortunately. And and I don't know what the best way is to make people stop being that way. I mean, you, you talk to some people and they're just like, "Oh, I only do the hundred yard football, the real football." You know, that that's that's not real football. That. But I, I don't pay attention to that. You know, you, you hear that from people all the time. I've heard it multiple times. And and they kind of stick their noses up at it because it's it's not what they're what they're used to and what they consider football. But I mean that's just that's just ridiculous. Yes, it's a different game. It's not the same game, but that doesn't make this any more any less entertaining. As a matter of fact, it, it can be more entertaining. I would think uh, so. if you really come out and, and check it out and then just ask these players, ask any one of these guys that's out there, every single, every single guy out there on, on, on the field in arena football has played a hundred yard, the hundred yard 
a variety of football, outdoor you know, football on the field. Every one of them has, and I they think, will tell you. I think those people that are snobs are just snobs. I don't think they're football snobs necessarily. Look, there are people that won't go see plays because they're not movies. You know what? <laughs> there are people that are just like, oh, it's not the highest, best, most amazing thing uh, out there. I got. I don't have no time for that. And if that's who you are, I hope you do everything at a hundred percent highest level. Um, you know, you you, you get out of here. Um, yeah. It's exciting. It's it's fun. It's a blast. There's nobody that comes to a game. Nobody. I've never seen anybody. Even when we were playing in the Rose Palace, I didn't see people come to the game and walk away disappointed. They have fun. It's a fun time. It's it's. Look, I went to a bunch of XFL games this year. I went to a bunch of Brahma's games. I even went to some non-Brahma's games. I like Gunslinger's games better than the XFL. I love the XFL. I had a great right. time. I enjoyed that. I have more fun. I am more entertained mm -hmm. at arena games, at these arena games, than I have been at the XFL games. I've converted Heidi and um, Jackie and Nett. They were big Brahma fans really big of the Brahma Mamas. Yeah. And they came to one game, and that's all it took, literally. And they're going to be helping me out with the Gunsling Her uh, page, Facebook page. And they one game is all it took, one game. you know. And so maybe we need to do that. We need to convert more XFL fans. And they didn't even have that good as record as we have now. Alex McSwain says, to be honest, the NAL is more fun than the NFL. It's faster. There's more scoring. You're closer to it. It's a different level of access. Look, you're never going to go down to the field after an NFL game and get never. autographs from the players and shake nope. hands and take pictures with them. That ain't happening. That nope. ain't happening at an XFL game. And you're never going to take pictures with the cheerleaders and get their autograph. Right. Oh, man, so. just come down there one time. If it's just you, you don't have kids, you don't care about getting autographs, just come down there. And watch these players interact with these kids. And if you have anything of a heart, you're going to see how these kids' eyes are lighting up and the and how these players interact with them and make them feel special for that moment and stay out there and lines of kids coming around. And, and just it's a special moment. I mean, it, it's, it's just a, a great thing to see when you're out there and just kind of watching everything going around you with all the kids and fans and how, how great these players are. When you know they're tired, they just played a football game, but you you wouldn't be able to tell it. Mm -mm. You wouldn't be able to tell it. And, uh, another thing that uh, James Palmer said: Well, maybe it's the rules. Maybe people just not understanding the rules. And that's another thing that when they come and you come and enjoy the experience and experience the game. I know I've had to. You know, I hear people saying, "Well, why why was that two points? Or why did we? Mm -hmm. Why did they get a point there?" And, I just lean over and I was like, it's because, you know, the deuces are explained the kicking out of bounds, the rule. And they're like, oh, okay. Hey, that's cool. I kind of like that. You know, it's, uh, it's, it takes some getting used to, but it's, it's really good stuff. James Palmer says, so that $10 ticket with fees is like 30 bucks after fees. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the secret. You want to go to a gunslinger game and pay the least amount you can message the gunslingers on Facebook or on Twitter directly. Get a hold of them directly. Reach out to them directly. They will get you. Same thing with the Brahmas, by the way. The Brahmas yeah. did that for us all season long where you can get around Ticketmaster. 
I don't think they're supposed to say that, but I'm not connected to the team, so I can say that. You can get around it if you can reach directly to the team and pay them directly. They get more of the money that you pay, and you pay less when you go around Ticketmaster. And I'm all about keeping as much of my money out of Ticketmaster's pocket as I can because I don't like Ticketmaster. Um, so go contact the team directly. The easiest way would be to message them on Facebook. If you're a Facebook person, uh, just message them and say, hey, I am bringing a family of four. What is the best price I can get? And they will they will take care of you and they will do it without those fees. Just saying. Mm-hmm. It's all about money at this point because we're all spending mm-hmm. more and getting less. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. But but that's the thing is this is a low cost, mm-hmm. high value thing. Like you're gonna get a an afternoon's worth of of entertainment, entertainment. for a family of four for a hundred bucks. Like that doesn't happen. You can't take them to Six Flags for that. Nope. No. You can't I take them to the movies. You can't take them to the carnival that sets up in the Fiesta parking lot <laughs> for a hundred bucks, man. Like. This is a value. This is something that, that you know, is working. He's, Alex McSwain says, hey, Philip, pass the same message on to West Texas ownership. Tell their fans so people come to SA. That's true. Because uh, we had some groups travel over to West Texas. None of us got to go. But uh, maybe some of the West Texas people need to come in this direction. That's true. They Michael, should. They'll have a good time. Michael Wayne Davis says the customer service from the Gunslingers organization is unmatched, and he is absolutely correct. They do an incredible job of taking care of everybody like they were special. Uh, We are special because we're the podcast. Um, But they take care of everybody almost as well as they take care of us. Almost. Sometimes even better. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we had a lot of interaction this last game. We did. Um and, and thanks to we the Santa uh, Gunslingers, thanks to the Stubings and everyone for getting us involved like that. We had a lot of fun. Lolis had a lot of fun with RC out there at halftime, yeah. doing the, the 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 flowers with the six shooters, and yeah, it was a it was a good it was a good time. So we didn't talk the prayer. We didn't talk about this earlier. Uh, so last year, those of you that are. <laughs> Connected with the Smoking Guns podcast, know that we gave flowers out to the uh, six shooters last year. And there was this really funny moment for everybody <laughs> except me um, where I was supposed to give a flower to the coach. I can't remember mm-hmm. her name right now, who she was, but she had no idea that she was getting one too. So all of the flowers have been passed out. She was walking around to check with these girls and do this and whatever. And I'm following her around the field to give her this like a puppy dog. (laughs) So this year, RC is like, hey, we should do flowers again for the team. All three of us should go out there and give flowers to the six shooters team. And I'm like, pass. Hard pass. (laughs) You're so they even announced I was headed upstairs to talk to Ralph. Um, because it was halftime and I knew he could actually acknowledge me. Um, and I heard them announce over the, you know, Chris Duell announced, uh, you know, and now uh, Philip, Leo, and RC from the Smoking Guns podcast have a special gift for the six shooters. And I'm like, nope. There I was with Lolis. Thank <laughs> nope. God Lolis was with me. Thank so you, I'll Lolis. be really honest. Even last year, I felt self-conscious about it because I'm a 42-year-old man. 
none of these ladies are 42. They are half that. And and so I'm giving a flower as a 42-year-old married man to some 21-year-old girl. That already makes me feel a little weird. But then to have to chase her around the field like... Yep. <laughs> Like on some kid in, uh, you know, pretty in pink or something. Not doing that again. Yep. Lully's came over to me and she said, I got to give the flowers to all the six shooters. And they each and every one of them gave me a hug. I got hugs from all the cheerleaders. And I was like, that's why I didn't want to do it. Right. Right. <laughs> just, I mean, some people would be all about that. I'm just, I that makes me uncomfortable. No, thank you. Uh, Alex Maswain is right. I got my face on the scoreboard a couple of times, actually. I did the prayer mm -hmm. pregame, and then I got my face on the scoreboard uh, because it was my birthday weekend, and somebody let it slip. Somebody told them. Who was that, RC? I have no <laughs> idea. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, don't that know was... could have been. Oh. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. Here's, here's how you know R.C. did this. That was the compromise. <laughs> R.C. reached out to the team and was like, can we have the whole arena yes, sing happy birthday to Philip? Yes, yes. And they were like, no, but we yes. can like put his face up there and <laughs> say right. happy birthday to him. Well, we did bring you a cake. They did. They brought me a cake. It was a great time. I had a wonderful uh, time at the game. I was shocked that it was only a two-hour game. Two hours and seven minutes is what I had yeah, to clock that. that was really fast. <clears throat> That's really impressive. But in a way, I was like, oh, I'm having such a good time. I can't believe it's over already. But you know what? There's so much action and so much going <clears throat> on that, you know, I looked at the clock and I was shocked that <clears throat> it was only five o'clock and we had two minutes left in the game. Right. Uh, it didn't feel like it. Like, I would not have been surprised if it was, you know, closer to six, but it wasn't. Um, it was just, just great stuff. We had a good time. The, the game was awesome. The gun singers were awesome. Look, I need to make sure I mention this because I, I, I need to, I would feel bad if I didn't, okay. uh, we like to give props all the time. We talk a little, we didn't talk too much about the game this time because we had, uh, the commission coming on, but I need to give a shout out and a congratulations and a big attaboy to number 21 Thornton Chandler, the defensive back. Mm -hmm. He had an incredible game. Talking about we're talking about the rules and using the uh, the deflections the the yeah. off the nets. He had an amazing uh, um, interception, very timely interception as well. He had four uh, uh, passes defended where he knocked away some balls coming around and playing defense. I was really impressed with his game, and I need to make sure that I mentioned that and and say he was for me he was a defensive player of the game, if not the player of the game for sure. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, Kelly Rashad just playing out of his mind. Mm -hmm. Everybody is keyed in on that guy this year. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody is is making sure number five is not going to be the guy that beats them, and he is still getting so close. You mentioned earlier, Leo, that he's getting down to the two and the one-yard line, and they are just tightening up because they don't want number five to be the guy that beats them. And so number seven is Arvell Nelson has double – the rushing touchdowns of anybody else in this league. Ooh. Zach Brown is a really good running back that runs the ball really well in Carolina. He has eight rushing touchdowns. Arvell Nelson has 16, if I do my math right. And I'm not great at math, uh, but that, our math anything, yeah, in but... That, anything in that, anything in that, like double. 
He is he is the quarterback, and he is doubling everybody on rushing touchdowns. Yeah. And and why? Because he's big, he's strong, and after Burner Pierre Turner gets up behind him and pushes him into the end zone. That's why. And it I didn't works. think you were going to give Turner credit. I was going to say, don't forget Pierre's back there just pushing him through Driving. the pile. No. Yep. Ralph, Ralph Judkins, after the game, came up to me and said, I have a new nickname for Pierre Turner. He's no longer Sweet Pea. And I said, okay. And he said, he's afterburner Turner because he oh, just gets like in. It. He gets in behind Arvell and just gives him that extra energy, gives him that extra push into the end zone. I love it. It's exactly true. Um, Jay Washington says Arvell Nelson, the Jalen Hurts of the NAL. Yeah, but I don't like Jalen Hurts, so I'd prefer um, we not make that particular um, That's connection. just because you're a Cowboys fan. That's correct. That's yeah. absolutely correct. 100% correct. <laughs> that is biased. absolutely true. I don't true. know if you know that, but I know a little bias, huh? <laughs> Kali Rashad doing ninja flips in the end zone. That's it was incredible. like a ping pong ball going boom, 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 boom. He's got moves on moves. I mean, there was one play where he like faked out two guys. It, it looked like a sure tackle, and and they both took an angle at him, and then he was there, and then he wasn't there, and uh, the whole arena went ooh. Everyone who was there, I'm telling you guys, people that are you know, you got to be there to see this stuff. It's amazing. Alex McSwain, good to see Robert Kent back. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was good. yeah. Even though I knew he wasn't going to play or play much. Just seeing him pregame in the uniform, uh, you know, just made me feel good. Like, I've been following Robert Kent for three years now. He was a North Texas Bull against us in the first year. Last year, he was our quarterback. This year, he is back with us, and it just feels right to see him on the field. James is right. James Steubing, the boss, is yep. right. We Drew, cannot, oh we cannot not mention Drew Pearson's game. I went up to Drew after the game, waited in a very long line of kids that were very interested in talking to and spending time with Drew, which is awesome. And I mentioned, I don't think he heard me, but I was like, hey, I guess we need to talk about replacing you every show. Because last week we talked about, hey, is Drew one of those guys that maybe we're we're holding on to because we love Drew when there are other options out there that might be a little bit better? Well, I'll recant on all that now. I will take all of that back right now because Drew had an, a spectacular game. Yeah, we were we were a little harsh on on Drew last week uh, because we've seen him struggle to this point. But I think, and I and I mentioned that to him. I was standing there next to you. I mentioned to him. I said, Drew, it's great to see you. Looks like you're healthy. It's great to see you feeling yeah. better. And he said, Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 great to be back. And then that's when he mentioned about if he's really looking forward to being able to practice in the Freeman. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to make all the difference for him. Yeah, that's going to be big. That's going to be a big deal. Being able to leave the field there in the Freeman and have our players practice in that facility, um, it's just it's, it's the key to a home field advantage um, to be able to practice. And, and you don't have to translate anything. You don't have to translate the practice field to the, the arena anymore. It's not, oh, that's right, it's it's 10 yards and then he cuts. It's it's to that spot right there that I got to throw the ball to. Um, it's right there where I'm going to pick that block up in the same building. It, it means a lot, and they have that opportunity leading into the best time of the season. Look, 
look look over the schedule. Uh, I'm gonna pull it up right now. I've almost already got it up. I've just got the whole league schedule up. Leo, Is I'm gonna open. Can I go to practice? That would be a question for James Stubing. I think okay. we could probably go to the practice. I don't know if it would be open to the general public. Open to to us? Uh, maybe. James okay. Stubing will answer that question in just a second. I'm sure. Okay. Uh, here you go, Leo. I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you opponents. You tell me if this is a win or a loss for the San Antonio Gunslingers. Okay. West Texas, home. Win. Albany, home. Win. Win. By Orla a lot. Orlando, there. Win. I'm gonna... Carolina, I'm gonna there. I'm going to say win. That's a tough one. Um, that's going to be a tough game. We're not going to have that, a home. That's a possible loss, but, you know, that's also a possible win. So I'm going with a W. Okay. Fayetteville, Fayetteville here. Fayetteville here? Mm-hmm. Win. So what you just outlined, is it 11-1 and one or a 10-2 and two? That's right. Uh, record. Mm -hmm. And I'll take either or. Mm -hmm. 11 ones asking a lot. That Carolina game, that's a tough one. That's a tough ask. They're capable of doing it. But yeah, we'll say 10 and 2, but 11 and 1 is a possibility. Yeah, I think you're right. And if that's the case, uh, one more loss from Jacksonville, and we hold the top seed. Because even if we yeah. lose that game to Carolina, I, I, I'm I like you, Leo. I think that that is the biggest test. Now, all of this is is considering the gunslingers keep their head right. Like, that is that is the key. 1-0. 1-0 every week. We can talk mm -hmm. like this. They yeah. don't need to do that. I talked to a player this week. I won't say names because I'm not going to throw a coaching uh, a, a coach under the bus. But I talked to a player this week that is not a San Antonio gunslinger that said their coaching staff is doing what we're doing right now <laughs> with their schedule in the locker room, mm -hmm. with the team. They are going through the schedule and saying, win, loss, this is going to be a tough game, all of this. He said, man, I wish I was on a team like you guys have where it's all about this week, being 1-0. and oh. Yeah, that's not the way to do it. Yep. Um and and so it's telling we we uh, we need to appreciate that Fred Shaw and his coaching staff are all about this week. It's all about this week. Who cares what we did last week? Who cares what's going to happen in two weeks from now? It's all about this week. So the team doesn't do this, but we get to do this. We're fans. Um, and I'm looking at yeah, even a loss at Carol, even if we drop that game at Carolina somehow. Um, all it takes is Jacksonville losing one game, and we we hold that championship. That road to the championship comes through here, comes through San Antonio. And I'll say it now, like I said last year, Coach of the Year, Fred Shaw. Johnny Salazar is reading your mind because as you were saying that, he said too soon, Coach Fred Shaw for mayor, <laughs> mayor. for mayor. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying Coach of the Year, but okay, sure, wow, mayor. Jordan Steubing, 11-1 championship at home. I like it. Yep, I like it. Mm -hmm. Let's I love do it. it.
Love uh, it. But ultimately, Chris Pearson is right. One game at a time. Yep. That's the way that the team has to think. And we're, we, we do ourselves a favor when we think that way, too, as fans. We can dream. We can look out and go, wow, this is all set up really well. Because it is. The schedule I just read read to you is set up incredibly well for the San Antonio Gunslingers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first half, not so much. Second half, yes. West Texas, Albany, Orlando, Fayetteville. That's four of the five games left to play. Those are all muck teams. What what Jim Murnay calls the muck. That the those mm-hmm. bottom rung teams that are scrambling to try to get to that last spot in the uh Playoff. In the playoffs. That's what he calls the muck. And that's that's four of the five games we have remaining are muck teams that are that are just clawing for playoff position. Yep. Carolina is the only one that you look at and you're like, wow, it, and it's not here, it's it's there. We haven't seen them since week one. That being said, they didn't look good this week against Fayetteville. That's true. That's true. But, but we didn't look good against Jacksonville, so you don't know. <laughs> well, you know, on that note, say what you want to say about what the schedule that's left and whether you your approach on whether you want to do what we just did and uh, have a fun conversation and speculate all the way to the end season or the one game at a time thing. Bottom line is the San Antonio Gunslingers control their own destiny. They do. As they long do. as uh, throughout the rest of the season, they keep that approach. They control their own destiny. And they are in the driver's seat to end up ten and two, eleven and one, whatever it is, and then host that champ, host that playoff game and that championship game at the Freeman Coliseum here in San Antonio. It'll be an awesome thing. And I'll tell you right now, we're do, playing the speculation game. I want the Jacksonville Sharks, yes, in that championship game yep. at Freeman Coliseum. Yep. Bring them back here for sure. All the smack talk that they've done with all the media, the social media stuff, the pictures about owning Texas. We and, yeah, we oh, own we're not Texas. Gonna forget that. Okay, we're not gonna forget I, that Jacksonville. I. I'm glad they did it. Yes, Keep absolutely. It guns Keep it down. Up. They did guns down on our field, and then the very next week they go and get and and end up getting a win in West Texas that they really had to fight for. They mm-hmm. get that win in West Texas, and they they post a picture with a Texas flag and saying "We own Texas." Okay, okay, yeah, good on you. Regular yeah. season, you really came into Texas and did great. Let's see what happens in the postseason, bud. Mm-hmm. Don't nobody own Texas, nobody. <laughs> mm-hmm. But let's get there first, and the mm-hmm. first place that we do that is against the West Texas Warbirds. We're going to talk a lot about that game next week, next Monday. We'll try to put together. Uh, some, maybe a player or two. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, it's hard on bye weeks. They practice on Mondays to get ready for the game. They've, they've been off for a week. So they practice on Mondays, but we'll see if we can't get a player or a coach or both, um, in here and, and talk to us next Monday. Hey, we didn't, we didn't say anything about the XFL nearly at all. Leo, I'm sorry about Jaquez Patrick. Oh, I was bummed oh. about that. I really was to read the news that he was released by the Denver Broncos. Jay Washington, you own Texas. You don't even own your own state. Orlando be you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Uh, so we go beat Orlando, then we own Florida. Johnny Salazar says, yep, that's go. the way that works. But you know what? I don't want Florida. Don't, do we want Florida? I don't want Florida. Mm. I'm here in Texas. there is Disney. It's hot and it's sweaty and, and humid and hurricanes. It's like living on the coast. Oh, um, believe me. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was sorry to hear about Patrick. I'm sorry to hear that he got cut. You never know. He may end up circling back around um, and yeah. catching back on with the team. That's always a possibility. That may have just been one of those uh, casualties that happens just to, to keep your roster where it needs to be. They may yep, circle around game. and pick him back up. So, well, that is enough. I've had enough. No, I've never had enough talking about the gunslingers in the NAL. Um, I had a great time at the game. I was very glad to get back in the building. I cannot wait for the 17th. I don't get to just hang out and have a good time on the 17th. Um, I'm actually going to be working that game. I'm going to be calling what? that game with Ralph Judkins on Texas Sports Productions. Um, so Good for you. Pat yourself on the back. Always, always, always. <laughs> uh, RC, you've brought it up a couple of times yeah. to us. We need to make sure we mention they have a great uh, youth football camp going on this summer. The San Antonio Gunslingers do. Yes. They, so they have the sports camp at St. Gerard Education and Athletic Center. Mm-hmm. Now, it begins on June 12th. Now, they have two sessions. So if you can't make one, make the other one or make both. So the first session is actually starting on June 12th through June 15th, and the second session is June 26th through June 30th. So if you have any kids who like football, this would be the place to go. It's centrally located. I think it's St. Gerard's off of 410. Isn't that right? You would know better than I would. St. Gerard is is central San Antonio. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're over, I think they're near MLK. Okay. Well, um, they're actually for camp for second through eighth graders. And so this is going to be a chance to be at a camp uh, by professional athletes, professional coaches. So you're always thinking, what am I going to do with the kids this summer? This is it. This is where you need to bring your kids to the camp. Again, Mm -hmm. it's the um, sports camp. First session is June 12th to June 15th. Second session is uh, June 26th to June 30th at St. Gerard. And far right, it's off near uh, Commerce. Maybe I, I was wrong. I was thinking of a different church. Sorry. And I haven't brought this up to either of you guys, so you can get mad at me later. And if you're really mad at me, I'll take care of it myself. It's not a big deal. But if you've had a kid that you want to get in that camp, and 125 dollars, you look at that and you go, "Nope, can't do that." We're just going to have to say no this year. Uh, I've seen our PayPal balance. I know where our our show account is. We can take care of one. Woo! One. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, we can do one. If you've, got, if you've got a kid that, like, the only thing keeping them out of this is that $125, uh, you you reach out to the show, and we'll get you set up. And that's we, thanks to our patrons, we can make that right? happen. Huh? That's thanks to our patrons. That is thanks to our patrons, and that is a great segue to uh, for us to wrap the show up because we want to make sure we thank our patrons. Uh, our patrons are Mo and Iris Ferrante. They are James yeah. Steubing, Jordan Steubing. And Craig and uh, Greg and Kim Nelson, they all help us make this show go. We are working on some things right now in the behind the scenes to make it even better to be a patron member. But they don't—they're not doing it for any kind of um, perks or anything that we offer because we don't offer a whole lot. We just really work hard on putting this show together, 
and bringing you information. And these people have jumped on board and said, hey, we want to be a part of that. And we love what you're doing. I even had a conversation with Mo this weekend or this week where I said, hey, we're working on some stuff for you guys, but I just can't tell you what it is yet because it's not finalized. And she goes, that's fine. We're not, we don't do it for all that. We just do it for the show. Um, if you would be interested in helping us support the show and do things like sending kids to camp, because that's what we do with any leftover money we have after we pay our bills, because we got bills um, that we have for the show. Um, then you can be a part of our Patreon team. We have a $5 level, a $10 level, a $20 level a month. It's at patreon.com slash pod. That's smoking no G, guns with a Z, P-O-D. Uh, we really appreciate all of those folks that are part of that, and we would appreciate you as well. And there's a possibility that we may be putting together some pretty neat stuff um, in conjunction with the gunslingers to uh, to sweeten the pot. But if you love what we're doing and you have a few bucks, um, you could throw it our way and just help us do even more uh, of these kind of things, like sending a kid to camp or uh, just putting out quality content like we do. We're not making any money off of this. None of us get rich off of the Smoking Guns podcast, it would be impossible to do so. Um, but we do have to pay some bills and we do like to have a little money set aside when we hear of an opportunity to support a kid at camp that we can do. Uh, if that sounds like something you want to be a part of, uh, patreon.com, Smoking Guns Pod, Smoking No G, Guns with a Z, P-O-D, and you can be a part of it. When it comes to football, when it comes to football all over the country, whether it's in the arena or the 100-yard field, the 50-yard fight or the gridiron itself, when it comes to football up in Fayetteville and Albany, down in Orlando, over in Seattle, and all the way out in Vegas, when it comes to professional football, the 2-1-0 has got something to say. Bang, bang.